Hi, it's Debbie Hazelton, and here is Peter Korn on behalf of Amazon, a Ruby sponsor. Welcome. Thank you so much. It is fantastic to be here. This is Amazon's first time, and I trust won't be our last. And we are really excited to share with ACB members some of the work we've been doing to make our products and services accessible to folks with disabilities and particularly to folks who are blind or low vision. We've been working on accessibility for a few years in sort of the the new era. The new era of accessibility really began in 2013 when we made our Kindle app for iOS and Android accessible and that opened up... Thank you. That opened up a a few million books uh, to our customers. And then later that year, we brought the Android accessibility work to our 2013 model Fire tablets. Fire OS is a derivative of Android. And we brought over TalkBack and the Magnifier and their idea of large print to Fire Tablets starting in 2013. We've been investing and improving on that accessibility work in Fire OS. The following year in 2014, we expanded the notion of what large print was to truly large print. And then the following year in 2015, we introduced our very own written from scratch screen reader called VoiceView. VoiceView is available on All of our Fire tablets, starting with the $49 Fire 7 tablet, a 7-inch that we'll have at the conference, as well as the new $89 8-inch tablet and our 10-inch. It's primarily about features and screen size. The the 7-inch tablet is obviously our most affordable at $49. It has a monaural speaker rather than the Dolby stereo speakers of our other tablets. It's really optimized for doing things like reading books, whereas the 8 and especially the 10-inch tablet are optimized around watching videos. You can read books and watch videos on all of them. Every tablet does everything, but a bigger screen is great for movies. It's also great for folks with deteriorating vision who need large print. We did that in 2015. Then about eight, nine months later, in May of 2016, we brought VoiceView to Kindle e-readers, the iconic e-reader that is 10 years old this year now talks but 2016 wasn't over yet one month later we brought voice view in preview form to fire tv making the television interface accessible we did it as a preview form in june we followed that up at the end of the year with a complete overhaul of the fire tv interface and with that a complete overhaul of voice view. It's no longer preview, and we added features like a review mode, the ability to navigate by word and character so you can spell the actor's name. We began extending the Android, or now Fire OS, accessibility API with things like hint text and overview information to really make 
Fire TV warm and welcoming for new users. The base model is sort of a squarish box. It'll do 4K video and it's $89. But we have a value Fire TV stick that's a little bit bigger than a stick of Wrigley Spearmint gum for only $39. And we think that at a price like $39, we're probably going to get folks who've never used a screen reader before. And so it was really important to make a friendly, welcoming interface with a tutorial that starts the first time you use it and takes you through the interface. (laughs) We closed out 2016 with one last thing in the video space, We brought speech to the Amazon video playing app on what we call living room devices. So if you were to have an Xbox One or a Sony PlayStation or a Roku or many smart TVs like the Samsung smart TVs, Sony Blu-ray players, now those that talk now have a talking Amazon video app. So any device that you have... If it talks and can play videos, it's highly likely that the Amazon video player will talk there. We began this year in February, returning to Kindle. We made the Kindle app for PC accessible. We've been working with NV Access and VFO. And so if you've got JAWS or NVDA, you can use that and enjoy now over 6 million accessible Kindle eBooks. We've been working on the Kindle file format itself, so now publishers can include alt text in their Kindle ebooks. And we have added a flag to the file to indicate whether it's screen reader supported. So if you are browsing the Kindle online store, look for the screen reader supported flag to have our guarantee that it will work with your screen reader. Then in March, we did something on the retail website for customers who want to use Amazon.com or buy through the iPhone app or any of our apps. We've added a dedicated toll-free phone number that you can call, and the customer service agents are trained in screen reader use and in the kinds of questions that customers have. To round out the, the recent work, which is what we're going to be showing here at the convention over the next days, we have introduced a Fire TV Edition Smart TV. We're working with Element Electronics and Westinghouse, who have built Fire TV and the VoiceView screen reader and Alexa into an entire line of 4K smart TVs. These TVs should now be shipping at the time of this recording, and those come in four sizes, 43 inches, 50 inches, 55, and 65. That's great feedback. We'll take that back to our partners. All of these TVs, VoiceView provides complete access to everything. The -the over-the-air broadcasts, electronic program guide. If you connect a cable box, which exposes program information, all of that is accessible. Switching inputs. All of these things can also be initiated through Alexa, through the voice remote. Just pick up the remote and say... Tune to NBC 
or switch input to Blu-ray. Having introduced VoiceView to Fire TV and Fire TV Edition smart TVs, there was one last obvious thing for us to do, which we've just announced, which is bringing audio description to Amazon Video. At launch, over a hundred titles from studios like Disney, Lionsgate, NBC, Paramount, Warner Brothers are all available. So things like The Hunger Games or Inception, Captain America Civil War, The Big Short, all of these are now available via audio description. And we're working with the good folks at the Audio Description Project to make sure that their list of these titles is always up to date. And in addition to titles from other studios, Amazon original TV shows, those also are getting audio description at launch. Ten of the most popular, Bosch and The Man in the High Castle, Mozart in the Jungle, Transparent, as well as kids' shows like Creative Galaxy and Gordimer Gibbons are available as full seasons of audio description. One last thing that uh, I want to talk about that we are just rolling out is our first version of Braille support for the VoiceView screen reader on Fire tablets. We are supporting... Baum and Humanware displays, as well as the brand new Orbit Reader 20. So, um, later today, I will be participating in Brian Charlson's Information Access Committee from 1.45 to 4 p.m. We'll be talking about and demonstrating the VoiceView screen reader on Fire TV Edition smart TVs, and of course, demonstrating our audio description work. Hope to see you there. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Bishop, and welcome to the 56th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, held this year in Reno, Nevada. Microsoft Corporation is a double-diamond sponsor of our convention this year, which we're very excited about. I had an opportunity to speak to Megan Lawrence. She works on the accessibility team along with Jenny Fleury, who is the chief accessibility officer at Microsoft. And there's been a lot of activity happening at Microsoft in the area of accessibility. And Megan's going to fill us all in. So please help me give a warm welcome to Megan Lawrence. Hello, Megan. Oh, it's so great to be here with you, Jeff. Thanks again for your sponsorship this year, and Microsoft has been really busy and doing lots of great things. Can you fill us in on all things new at Microsoft? Yeah, fantastic. So my name is Megan Lawrence, and I'm the Accessibility Evangelist here at Microsoft. And, you know, we always look forward to coming to the ACB conference because we really value that time that we get to spend with the blind and low vision community. And in all honesty, it's our opportunity to hear, you know, what's working, um, hopefully what do you love, but perhaps most importantly, what are those places that we can really continue to grow and improve? So our mission here at Microsoft is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Um, and you know, and to us, that means creating and delivering technology that's not only accessible but really usable for people who are blind and low vision. Um, but in order to live into that mission, we need to the participation of the blind and low vision community. So that means we want your partnership. We want your feedback. We want to know um, the places that we can continue 
continue to improve our products. So there's a couple ways that people can get involved. One of them is through user voice. Um, I know all of you out there have great ideas for brand new features or functions or even products. So we'd love to hear about it, and that's at aka.ms slash user voice. Now, for those of you out there that like to be on the forefront of technology and really um, help Microsoft shape the way that accessibility is built into our products and services, we'd love to have you become a Windows or an Office insider. Um, insiders get products before they are released to the general public and have the ability to really help us shape what those look like. Now, we know that accessibility is a journey, right? And we're in it for the long game. Um, we see this as a path to continue to improve current technology uh, and also push that boundary, right? Push the possibilities of what's possible for people who are blinded and low vision, not only now, but really into the future. Um, for example, with the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and cloud computing. Um, and so I see that the ability for us to continue to um, improve in accessibility and create that inclusive culture, that happens when it's woven into the fabric of, of who we are as a company. And so I see that as sort of this two-pronged approach. One, we need and we have the commitment of our senior leaders. So we have people like Satya Nadella, who's our CEO, say things like, you know, we're focused on designing and building products that our customers love that are accessible to everyone and built for each of us. But we also know that inclusive culture comes from that bottom up, right? Uh, from the people inside of our company. And so we actively hire people with disabilities um, throughout the company. Because when you have one in seven people globally, and I always like to ground in that fact, with people that have disabilities, we want our company to reflect society. We want to have people with disabilities embedded into our teams and actively working on building accessibility from the inside out. Okay, so at Microsoft, we're really just a bunch of nerds, <laughs> and our engineers like to make cool stuff. So for us, that means putting accessibility at the heart of inclusive design. Because when we do that, yes, we make our products and services accessible, for people who have permanent disabilities, but we also make products and services accessible for people who have a temporary disability, like they had an eye injury, or maybe they broke their arm. And in the long run, that provides great situational usability for everybody who wants to do things eyes-free. Um, to give a quick update on a couple of things that have happened over the last six months, Windows 10 has had its creators update, um, and now people who are blind or low vision can install Windows without sighted assistance. So we've got unassisted install. We also have um, Braille display so that you can interact with Windows. That's in a beta version and it's one of those products we'd love to get your feedback on. Uh, and last but not least, we also have mono audio. So this is great for people who may have partial hearing loss or one of those who likes to just wear one earbud at a time um, so that you can send audio into the left and the right channels um, so that nobody misses any sounds. In Office, um, we want to make it easy for everybody to create accessible content and for people who are blind or low vision to easily consume and share accessible content. So kind of going back to that idea of how are we using artificial intelligence and machine learning, one way we're doing that is through automatic alt text. So now when you pop a picture into, um, into PowerPoint, 
it will automatically generate that uh, image description for you. And then you can go in and look at that image description and decide, yep, that's good, I like it, or I'd like to change it. So it gives you that really that flexibility. But we know that that's high on lots of people's lists as an accessibility error, and we want to take care of that automatically. Um, we also have moved the accessibility checker. So the accessibility checker is now in the review tab right next to the spell check and it provides the opportunity for anybody to go in and evaluate their documents and see if they're accessible. We've got it in Word, we've got it in PowerPoint, we've got it in Outlook. Uh, and when you find that there are accessibility errors, we provide step-by-step -step instructions um, for how you can go ahead and fix that. We want to remind everybody that Office 365 has the latest uh, accessibility updates. We are not going to be backporting accessibility into older versions, like um, uh, into older versions. And so we really encourage everybody to get onto Office 365. Now, at the end of the day, we recognize that everybody has an IT moment where they could use some help. So uh, if you find yourself in that situation, please reach out to our Disability Answer Desk. Uh, they're here to provide um, IT support and assistance, customer service for people with disabilities and for those who are supporting people with disabilities and using assistive technology. If you happen to be an IT admin or running a business, we also have the Enterprise Disability Answer Desk. And that's where we can really help you with some of those enterprise products and help you seamlessly roll out accessibility in your company. Now, I think it's a really exciting time to be in accessibility because at Microsoft, we believe that accessibility is that lens to innovation, right? As we invest in accessibility, we invest in personalized computing, in the ability for you to make your computing environment work the best in the way that you need it, as well as looking forward into natural user interface design. So here at Microsoft, we're happy to be part of the ACB conference, and we look forward to seeing you uh, stop by our booth or one of our talks. I know that there recently was a refresh of the accessibility website at Microsoft. Can you fill us in on those details? So if you go to Microsoft.com slash accessibility, you can hear a little bit more about our, our story, find out what's latest uh, in our products and services, including Office, Windows, and you can also find conformance statements. So if you're one of those people who's looking for a VPAT or wondering how our products um, line up to uh, 508 uh, and the 508 refresh, uh, the EN standards and WCAG, it's all there. That's great, as well as contact information for the Disability Answer Desk and Enterprise uh, Disability Answer Desk and just... And user voice. Yeah, and user voice, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, Megan, thank you very, very much, and we're looking forward to another great year from Microsoft in lots of really neat innovation, and I'm sure uh, we'll be having you on Main Menu and other shows, so thank you so much. Thank you. Here is the agenda for Saturday, July 1st, beginning in the Rose Ballroom at 6.30 p.m. Entertainment provided by McCarran Circle, Reno, Nevada. 7 o'clock p.m. Call to order. Kim Charlson, President, American Council of the Blind, Watertown, Massachusetts. Invocation, Reverend Michael Garrett, Missouri City, Texas. Presentation of Colors. American Legion High Desert Post 56, Honor Color Guard, Carson City, Nevada. The Star Spangled Banner and Home Means Nevada 
Nevada official state song, Frank Mackin, Sparks Nevada. Welcome to Nevada. Rick Coolmay, President, Nevada Council of the Blind, Las Vegas, Nevada. 7.25 p.m., President's Report, Kim Charlson, Watertown, Massachusetts. 7.45 p.m., ACB Angels Recognitions, Dan Spoon, ACB Board of Directors, Orlando, Florida. Otis H. Stevens, Tennessee, Georgia. John Fleming, Oregon. 7.50 p.m., Double Diamond Sponsor Presentation, AT&T Services. Susan Mazrui, Director Public Policy, Seattle, Washington. And Susan Conoganti, CEO, IRA, San Diego, California. 8.05 p.m., Double Diamond Sponsor Presentation, Google Eve Anderson, Engineering and Product Manager, Core Team, Google Accessibility, Mountain View, California. 8.20 p.m., ACB Angels, Philo 2, Hawaii. Allen, Sandy Sanderson, Alaska. 8.30 p.m., Double Diamond Sponsor Presentation, Jessica Refuse. NGO, Program Manager, Microsoft Corporation, Redmond, Washington. 8.45 p.m., ACB Life Membership Presentations, Kim Charlson, ACB President, Watertown, Massachusetts, and Nancy Becker, ACB Chief Accountant, Brooklyn City, Minnesota. 9 o'clock p.m., ACB First Timers, Kenneth Semyon Sr., Chair Derwood K. McDaniel, First Timers Committee, Beaumont, Texas. 9.10 p.m., ACB Angels, B.H. Newman, Tennessee, Patricia Beatty, Virginia. 9.20 p.m., ACB 2017 Leadership Fellows, Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director, Alexandria, Virginia. 9.30 p.m., First Credentials Committee Report, Jean Mann, Chair, Albany, New York. 9.40 p.m., ACB Angels, Janice Peterson, Kent, Washington, D.C., Frank Murdoch, Louisiana. Guide Dog Tribute, Alice Rickhart and Michael Benson, Georgia. 9.50 p.m., Roll Call of Affiliates, Ray Campbell, ACB Secretary, Glen Ellen, Illinois. And that concludes the agenda for Saturday, July 1st. Very good. Thanks, Debbie, for reading the agenda for us. And thanks to our great sponsors. There's a lot more of them to come this week, as it is the only beginning. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the house so you can listen to the pre-entertainment before the general session gets going. So keep it right here on ACB Radio Mainstream and ACB Radio Live event, depending on which one you're listening to the coverage on currently. And things will get rolling very soon.
Good evening, everyone. If you are using an assistive listening device in tonight's general session, please be advised that we are broadcasting on, on channel B, as in Baker, B as in Bravo. So if you need some assistance resetting your assistive listening device, there will be people walking around to help you do that. Again, we are broadcasting on channel B as in Bravo. Good evening, everyone. If you are using an assistive listening device at tonight's session, we are broadcasting tonight on channel B as in Baker, B as in Baker, B as in Bravo. If you need some assistance resetting your transmitter or resetting your receiver, rather, there will be people that will be roaming to help you do that. Thank you.
started. <laughs> okay. Good evening, everyone. Are you ready for the 2017 Convention of the American Council of the Blind to begin? <laughs> welcome to Sparks, Nevada, and welcome to all of our listeners on ACB Radio. First, I want to thank Jess Smith from Reno, Nevada for our entertainment. Let's give him a warm round of applause. All right. To, um, to open this, this evening, first on our agenda, I would like to recognize Re the Reverend Michael Garrett from Missouri City, Texas, to um, open us with an invocation. Good evening. Good evening, ACB. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and eternal God, our Father, we thank you for being so gracious and kind to us. We thank you for allowing us to gather again in this great session. When we look at ACB, the American Council of the Blind, and we think about all that it means to us. We look back over our history. For 56 years, you've allowed us to gather together. You allowed the pioneers who thought it necessary to develop and establish a democratic organization where we might express ourselves and make our views be known and where every voice in the organization counts. For 56 years, you've watched over us. For 56 years, you've been with us through our ups and our downs, and you've allowed us to flourish. 56 years, we thank you, Lord, for being with us over all of that time. We've had challenges, we've had obstacles, but you've seen us through all of them. And so as we gather again this week, we ask for your presence and your guidance throughout the week that we might continue to be a voice in the community, not only in the blindness community, but through our nation and our world at large, to let the world and our nation know that we matter, we can do things, and we are here. We ask you, Lord, for your peace, your power, and your protection as we continue to do the work of ACB. And we'll forever give you the praise, glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
if you would please stand for the presentation of the colors and the pledge. Please join me in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. to recognize, to sing the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, Adam Hopkins, who is the president of the Reno Cigar Lions Club chapter here in the Reno area. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Please join me in singing the pledge. The national anthem. I'm sorry. <laughs> Threw me for a second. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You may, be, you may be seated. 
I want to recognize our color guard this evening, the American Legion High Desert Post 56 Honorable Color Guard, Carson City, Nevada. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, we are... Ah, they're still posting. <laughs> and due, due to um, an accident that our original singer had, um, we will not have the Nevada song this evening. All right. Putting together a convention, no matter where it's being held, can often be a lot of work and a challenge. But I want to recognize a man who didn't shy away from either one of those things, and that's the president of the Nevada Council of the Blind, Rick Colby. Rick? Hey! Good evening. And welcome. We here in Nevada welcome you with happy hearts. We are so glad you are here again for this fifth time. Yes, we are honored, very honored that you are here. When you come here, you bring energy, friendship, and love, and we love you too. We hope that each and every one of you and the American Council of the Blind will live long and prosper. At this time, I'd like to present Kim Charleston to read a welcome letter from the governor of the state of Nevada. Kim? Thank you, Rick. All right. All right. From Carson City, Nevada. Um, I won't read the address. <laughs> As governor of the great state of Nevada, it is my honor to welcome you to the American Council of the Blind 56th Annual Conference and Convention at the Nugget Casino Resort in Sparks. Thank you to those who have dedicated their time to... <clears throat> coordinating this event with the goal of improving the quality of life for blind and visually impaired Americans by ensuring equal opportunities for all, I commend this organization and your commitment to Nevadans and citizens across the country. Your dedicated work has helped to create opportunities for blind people and others with disabilities nationwide. I hope this conference is an opportunity to share your successes and learn from each other. Again, welcome to Northern Nevada. I hope you enjoy this event, and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Sincerest regards, Brian Sandoval, Governor. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, 
It is again a true honor for me to come before you for my fourth report as president of the American Council of the Blind. Time keeps flying by, and I have much to report to you since our conference in Minneapolis last year. ACB continues to address many issues and advocacy challenges since last we gathered together. I'll cover the highlights and how we are dealing with them over the next several minutes. First, I'd like to deliver some very important and well-deserved thank yous. It is widely known that the everyday work of ACB is carried out by our small yet highly dedicated professional and administrative staff. In our Minnesota office, we rely on Lori, Lane, Dee, and Nancy to keep the business wheels turning. In our Alexandria office, we have ACB Braille Forum editor Sharon Lovering, who works hard to make our lives and the lives of blind and visually impaired people everywhere better by producing a top-notch publication filled with information about the important work of ACB, among her many other duties. Tony Stevens continues to do more advocacy and governmental relations work than ever before, representing ACB on a broad range of blindness issues, attending meetings on Capitol Hill, writing regulatory comments, letters, and testimony on all of our key issues. Kelly Gask continues to be an invaluable member of our ACB team. She has many valuable skills, and we continue to learn more of her numerous talents every day. She is coordinating our social media presence on Facebook and Twitter, and she is an endless source of articles of keen interest to the blindness community. Pulling this team all together is our executive director, Eric Bridges. He has amazing skills at knowing the right people for the right situation, building relationships, fundraising, and guiding the organization on some very major advocacy and legal initiatives. Eric keeps me informed on so many fronts, outlines work to be done, and plans activities for the future growth of ACB. It is a pleasure and honor to work with him, and I have great confidence that he is working hard every day to guide our organization into the future with solid position of strength, effectiveness, and success. Working alongside all of our strong staff are several contractors that do specific work for ACB in a variety of areas. Tom Tobin is our hardworking director of development. And partnering with him is JoLynn Bailey-Page, our grant writer. Together, they are working on building a strong foundation for ACB's financial future. Joel Snyder, director of our audio description project, and Larry Turnbull, managing director of ACB Radio, both continue to work extremely hard for ACB. I extend to all of you a special thank you and commend you all 
for your efforts on behalf of ACB. I want to recognize and thank the members of the ACB Board of Directors and the members of the ACB Board of Publications for their service. At the close of this convention, two members of the ACB Officer Corps will be concluding their term of service. I want to especially thank Carla Reshevold from Kentucky, our treasurer who was not able to be here, but I know she's listening. Carla, listen to everybody give you a warm round of applause for the many years you've served as treasurer. Jeff Tom, our first vice president, will also be stepping down from that position, but I have a feeling he'll continue to serve in other ways and be a valued leader for ACB in the future. Finally, let me acknowledge the help I receive every day from Brian, who has many responsibilities himself, but never fails to give me the support I need to get ACB's work done. In three weeks, we will be celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary. Yeah! <laughs> and I am sure Brian would appreciate your help in talking me into a cruise for our 40th. I seem to have this issue with big ships. So, um, if you all can tell me how wonderful going on a cruise is, yeah, uh, do it, do it. Brian will, will pay you later. <laughs> and not far away is my life sister, Vicki, who is always there to help and support me in what I do. Thank you, both of you, for making it possible for me to serve ACB. I love you both. ACB's growing exposure on Twitter and Facebook continue to give ACB much more recognition and, and visibility in the social media realm. Thank you to both the Twitter and Facebook teams for all you do. For those of you who want to follow this convention on Twitter, use the hashtag ACB17. Now to the real nuts and bolts of my report. As you all know, the real work of the organization isn't the moments of success and press releases and passage of legislation, but rather the day-to-day -day work advocating, writing letters and testimony, and developing and supporting our ACB infrastructure to ensure that we have the financial resources to work on our mission and get the job done. Earlier this evening, ACB hosted our third annual Giving Society reception. This year we had 223 individual donors and 40 corporate donors. These supporters are the backbone of our fundraising, which then allows us to accomplish our valuable work. These initiatives all go far to make it possible to support ACB's organization work and advocacy. Thank you to every one of you who make it a priority to give to ACB.
It is much appreciated. One corporate example of our growing capacity is the generosity of J.P. Morgan Chase, whose support has allowed ACB to once again this year bring five leadership fellows to this conference and convention. These individuals have been identified as up-and-coming leaders in their affiliates and will be participating in many aspects of the convention, learning and growing their knowledge and leadership skills. You will meet them a little bit later this evening. Last year, ACB's Volunteer Hours Reporting Program collectively logged a total of 17,758 volunteer hours. That's your hard work as volunteers in this organization. That in-kind contribution to ACB is worth over $420,000. That helps us to show other foundations and organizations just how hard the members of this organization work on our important issues of the day. Public education is an important part of ACB's work. Filmed at last year's convention, Eric and Rebecca Bridges are featured in ACB's latest video discussing raising their adorable, nearly three-year-old son, Tyler. Following its launch, both with and without audio description, their positive message about blind parenting and that it can be successfully done with alternative techniques has been watched on YouTube and Facebook by over 16,000 viewers. <coughs> Acknowledging that parents often say that raising children is one of the most rewarding and challenging stages of life, people always wonder, how could you do it if you were blind? ACB's video tells the story of how two parents who happen to be blind are loving, laughing, and adapting as they raise Tyler, who loves books, trucks, airplanes, playing, and exploring the world around him. Check out the ACB YouTube channel and view the video. Needing to have more data to support our audio description advocacy efforts, last year ACB developed a national survey on described audio content. More than 489 people completed the survey, which identified major demand for the increase in available audio description programming on television, broadcasting, satellite, and cable programming. A tremendous amount of solid research data was gathered and has helped ACB to support our advocacy with statistics reflecting our perspective. Research findings indicated that three out of four respondents felt the current amount of available audio described content was significantly below demand and other obstacles still exist for accessing currently available content. 
75.3% of respondents strongly agreed that a greater amount of audio-described programming is needed. ACB continues to assert that the demand for audio description will continue to rise for the next two decades. ACB was disappointed in mid-November when the Federal Communications Commission withdrew the agenda item to consider the expansion of hours of audio-described content for television. Because of ACB's continued efforts, I am pleased to report that on July 13th, the FCC will be reconsidering the report and order which will increase the required hours of described programming that is covered by broadcast stations and that what they provide for consumers from four hours to seven hours. So stay tuned for a positive outcome on the July 13th vote. This year we have been dealing with several attacks from a variety of directions to the Americans with Disabilities Act. In December, I sent a letter to CBS on behalf of ACB expressing my deep disappointment that the 60 Minutes segment aired on December 4th, 2016, which despairingly cast a negative light on the ADA. Anderson Cooper's segment mischaracterized the ADA as an instrument of opportunism for drive-by lawsuits rather than focusing on the role it has played along with the court in protecting the fundamental human and civil rights of more than 55 million Americans with disabilities. My request was for 60 minutes to revisit the issue with a balanced lens that does not threaten the civil rights of Americans with disabilities. To my knowledge, they did not choose to accept my challenge. On another note, related to the ADA, ACB is working to prevent the passage of the ADA Education and Reform Act, H.R. 620, by Congress. This bill, if passed, would prohibit civil suits arising out of a failure to provide adequate access to public accommodations for, for the disabled unless the plaintiff provides the offending property owners with a written notice specifying the deficiency. Owners would then have 60 days to respond with a written plan for improvement and an additional 120 days to correct the deficiency or at least demonstrate sufficient progress toward a correction. Today, last time I knew, any citizen with a disability denied access in this country can immediately file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice. I don't think that's reform if we have to wait 180 days or more. The passage of H.R. 620 would mean that individuals with disabilities would be forced to wait 180 days and likely longer to seek resolution of their federally protected civil rights. When you receive a request for your assistance to fight this negative legislation, 
please do what you can to protect our rights under the ADA. Are you getting hungry? Well, ACB is working to protect your right to buy a good meal. Have you tried ordering from one of those inaccessible tablets on many restaurant tables? How about an inaccessible app? Well, Itza, the self-proclaimed restaurant of the future, with New York, Washington, D.C., and California locations, is excluding blind customers. Its high-tech ordering and food pickup process fails to include existing readily available usability features for blind and low vision individuals. ACB, in cooperation with Disability Rights Advocates, DRA, a national nonprofit legal center, has filed a class action federal lawsuit along with individual plaintiff Michael Godino, a New York resident and ACB member, who is legally blind and cannot access ITSA independently. ITSA employs no waiters or cashiers. Instead, patrons order their ITSA meals through a smartphone app or at one of a number of the in-store ordering kiosks. These kiosks consist of Apple iPad devices mounted and framed on a stand. When the food is ready, the customer's name appears on a screen along with a number. The number directs the customer to a cubby where he can retrieve his food. The entire process is silent. Strikingly, the audio jacks and home button required for accessible options are covered by a frame and no tactile features exist on the kiosk. Moreover, Itza's phone app is also inaccessible to screen reader technology and the food pickup process has no audible or tactile cues. While Itza's kiosks continue as an option to request assistance from an employee, this feature like all the other features on the kiosk, is inaccessible to blind customers. Itza is a growing national chain and has received considerable attention for revolutionizing automated self-serve technology in the food service industry. ACB is seeking an injunction against Itza's further discrimination of persons with disabilities and a comprehensive plan from the chain to provide blind patrons independent access to Itza restaurants. In addition, ACB continues its advocacy as part of a group of organizations appealing the dismissal of a case in the Central District Court of California, Robles versus Domino's Pizza LLC where the plaintiff, an ACB member, claimed he could not successfully order pizza from the Domino's website because it could not be accessed using his screen reader. ACB signed on to an amicus friend of the court brief to appeal the dismissal of the case to protect the ability of blind individuals to be able to independently access 
a business website. It would seem that around every corner, including with dining, we have to continue to be diligent and persistent to ensure ongoing access even to our next meal. On the legislative front, our thanks to Representatives Carolyn Maloney, Democrat New York, Gus Bilarakis, Republican Florida, and Stephen Cohen, Democrat Tennessee, on reintroduction of the Medicare Demonstration and Coverage of Low Vision Devices Act of 2017, H.R. 2050. This legislation will establish a national demonstration research project tasked with identifying the impact to Medicare and Medicaid recipients who are prescribed low vision devices over a certain threshold cost. As Congress looks for ways to improve health care costs, ACB will be urging the House of Representatives to support H.R. 2050 and move toward expanding greater independence for the millions of older Americans with severe vision loss. During the August Congressional recess, ACB will be asking all of you to reach out to your members of Congress to obtain more sponsors for this legislation. Help us when the call goes out to make this legislation move one step closer to adoption. I need to comment briefly on the continuing developments surrounding ACB's efforts regarding accessible currency. As background, on October 3, 2008, and after more than six years of litigation, the district court ordered that the Secretary of the Treasury provide meaningful access to currency no later than the next redesign of each denomination. The district court entered this order in light of the government's stated intention of redesigning each denomination of currency every seven to 10 years. Under the anticipated seven to 10 year redesign schedule, the $20 note would have been redesigned between 2010 and 2013 the $50 note between 2011 and 2014, the $10 note between 2013 and 2016, and the $5 note between 2015 and 2018. Instead, the design of these denominations is to today exactly as it was when the district court entered its order on October 3, 2008. In 2016, the government moved back the target date for the next currency redesign involving the $10 note from 2020 to 2026. Frustrated by the delays on the part of the government, as well as the lack of any redesign schedule for any denomination other than the $10 bill, ACB sought an order from the district court requiring that the $10 bill be made accessible by 2020 
and all of the remaining denominations be made accessible by 2026. While this order was under consideration in the court, the Secretary of the Treasury advanced to the court that he has already complied with his legal obligation to make currency accessible by furnishing external currency readers to people with visual impairments. While the Secretary indicated that he still intends to proceed with adding a tactile feature in the next major redesign, he is doing so as a matter of policy as opposed to fulfilling a legal court requirement. The district court denied ACB's motion in January of 2017, and the case is now under appeal at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. We are asking the Court of Appeals to do two things. First, to order that the $10 bill be made accessible by 2020 and all of the remaining denominations be made accessible by 2026. Second, and equally if not more important, we are asking that the Court of Appeals issue a ruling that external currency readers do not provide meaningful access to currency. We expect a decision from the Court of Appeals within the next 6 to 12 months. I want to publicly thank our attorney on this case, Jeffrey Levitke, for his persistence, determination, and dedication to our cause and the latest motion filed. Stay tuned for more news on the court. To help ACB achieve its mission and goals, ACB has ventured into the development of a new strategic plan, a, st a strategic action plan, to help guide the organization in the future ac across five critical focus areas, including advocacy, policy and legislation, affiliates and membership, convention and meetings, development and marketing and communications. The five focus areas were identified by ACB's Board of Directors as having the highest potential impact on our organization moving forward. The ACB Strategic Action Plan was then developed by the Board of Directors, the ACB Executive Director and other national staff members, and select representatives from ACB's state and special interest affiliates. Each of the five focus areas has a set of goals, associated action steps, timeframes, and accountable leaders to help drive change and ensure completion of the objectives. Additionally, the plan identifies any resources required, such as people needed to do the work on the task, funding to get the job done, or outside resources needed, measures of success, and an evaluation process for each goal to ensure that the organization is moving in the right direction to get the job of ACB strategic action plan completed. An executive summary is being drafted to be shared with leaders and it will be posted on the ACB website. 
Eric Bridges will discuss the action plan in more detail in his report to the convention on Wednesday morning. ACB continues to make communication a high priority. The latest version of ACB Link has been downloaded over 5,000 times since its release last March. It provides access for iOS device users to a wide variety of information and programming. We have an Android version under development and we are anticipating its release in the fall. I want to acknowledge the hard work of Jeff Bishop, who has been the lead person working on this app and with the app developer and has had the vision to bring such an app to a reality. It is an <laughs> ACB Link is enhancing communication with affiliates, connecting users with ACB key publications, ACB Radio, ACB Report, and other useful features. Jeff has done all of these things as he has been in the process of moving to Seattle to begin a new career job with Microsoft later this month. Congratulations to Jeff. You are a talented, you are very talented, and I wish you great success. ACB Radio continues to be the preeminent radio broadcasting system run and operated by ACB and our broadcasters, with the main menu channel and its programming being the flagship. ACB Radio continues to be available on the telephone, where listeners can hear the seven ACB Radio channels, including this convention. You can also listen to the ACB Forum and the eForum on our telephone system as well. In closing, the American Council of the Blind and our thousands of members continue to have a lot of work to do over the next several months. But overall, our affiliates and chapters all across this country are making a difference in so many ways. ACB proudly represents all people who are blind and visually impaired, regardless of economic status or functional ability. We advocate for a wide spectrum of programs and services for people of all ages and capabilities. Our work is important, and as you know, it isn't always easy. At times, it can be challenging, to say the least. Nonetheless, advocacy, in whatever form it takes, is our charge and our mission. When we win victories, they are even more exciting as they are hard fought, and we should continue to celebrate our successes as important steps in our advocacy mission. Working together, we can continue to make change happen. And I look forward to working hand in hand with all of you to make sure that all of our dreams for people who are blind become realities. Thank you very much.
I want to call to the podium Dan Spoon. Um, this evening, throughout the course of the evening, we'll be recognizing several of our ACB angels. And I want to recognize Dan to just um, begin that process, give a little bit of background on this program. Dan Spoon, member of the Board of Directors from Orlando, Florida. There you go. Okay. Perfect. Okay. 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 Good evening, everyone. Uh, first, from a logistics standpoint, uh, our first group of presenters. So, in case you didn't get the word, could Jeff, Tom, Darian Fleming, Art from Hawaii, <laughs> uh, Art Capanella, and uh, thank you, and um, oh gosh. I'm blanking out. Uh, let's see. And, um, oh, and Lynn Corral. Uh, if those four could please come as you look at the stage to the front right to the ramp. Okay? So if you four could head uh, immediately to the front stage. Uh, Jeff's here. Okay, very good. All right. So to share with you all about the ANGELS program, this was a program that we started four years ago. Oh, okay. Get a, I'll... Kim's a little shorter than I am, so I'm going to have to lean over here a little bit. Sorry about that, everybody. Four years ago, Marjorie Beeman came to us. Everyone knows Marjorie, right? And she said, give her a big round of applause. Isn't she wonderful? Well, the Energizer Bunny, Marjorie, she said, we really should start a program to honor those special folks in ACB who have passed away, but have meant so much to our organization. And Kim gave Tom Tobin and Dan Dillon and I the opportunity to form a committee to work on putting together an Angels Memorial Tribute Program. And we're so happy to say that after four years, we now have 29 Angels that are members of the program. Now, this in some ways is, is wonderful it's, it's very bittersweet to me because it, it's wonderful that we have these folks to honor and remember, but the sad part is we're remembering because they've left our organization. It has been an honor and a privilege for me to, to see this program develop over those last four years. And so I encourage you all, if you get a chance, please go to the exhibit ballroom area and at booth five, you will see the Angels Tribute Wall set up. There's a beautiful arrangement. It's a triangle wall. It has uh, plaques on all three sides in both large print and braille. These are beautiful stainless steel plaques uh, on a beautiful uh, wall uh, uh, sitting on a table. Everybody can easily go around, feel that special person's plaque. And we also have a book on each side in both braille and large print with their testimonials. So it's right across from the ACB Mini Mall. I really encourage you all, if you get a chance, please drop by and take a minute and look at the wall. This year's class, the class of 2017, like all of our classes, is really a very special group of people. We have nine new angels this year. We have former ACB presidents. We have decorated uh, veterans, 
we have vendors, we have accomplished pianists, we have so many people who have contributed to our organization, stalwarts in the low vision field. We have folks from Louisiana, Georgia, Tennessee, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Oregon, Alaska, and Hawaii. Aloha, everyone. So I want to take this time to, what we're going to do, as Kim said, we're going to do two at a time so we kind of spread these out and give everybody an opportunity to enjoy these folks but not kind of overburden it. So at this point in time, I would like to introduce Jeff Tom, who is going to give a memorial tribute on Otis Stevens, followed by Darian Fleming, who will give a testimonial on her husband, John. So Jeff Tom. All right, thank you. Dr. Otis Hannon Stevens, Jr., 20, uh, excuse me, 1936 to 2016. On behalf, jointly, of the American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys and the Tennessee Council of the Blind, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Otis Hannon Stevens, Jr. Otis was a gentleman, a leader, a brilliant scholar, an outstanding academician, an inspirational teacher, and an exemplary individual excelling in hard work and integrity. He will long be remembered in the historical chronicles of ACB and its early successes. In 1987 through 89, he unselfishly led ACB as its president while coping with the needs of his family during a time when his wife was, um, was dying of terminal cancer. Never complaining, he led the organization tirelessly during some of its tumultuous years immediately prior to the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. With a passion for equal treatment and equal rights for all, Otis spent his life fighting for equality and justice for persons with disabilities. Besides ACB, he used his intellectual training, leadership skills, and tireless energy to serve in leadership positions in the National Accreditation Council of agencies servicing, service, serving, excuse me, the blind and physically, hand, serving the blind and visually handicapped, NAC, and the American Foundation for the Blind. In 2001, he received the M.C. Miguel Award from the American Foundation for the Blind, the highest award in the blindness community for his work in significantly improving the lives of people with vision loss. Dr. Stevens' excellent in scholarship and academic achievement dominated his lifelong curiosity and lifelong search for knowledge and understanding. This was fully reflected in his teaching and writing. He obtained undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral and postdoctoral recognition and degrees from the University of Georgia, Johns Hopkins University, the University of Tennessee, and Harvard University. Throughout his lengthy career, he received many expressions of love, honor, and respect from his students and fellow faculty members. Georgia Southern University began the trend, um, the first school where he taught, as they dedicated its 1966 yearbook after Otis. He was named the Associated Dean of Arts and Sciences, uh, Sciences and the head of the Political Science Department at the University of Tennessee 
He wrote, co-authored, and edited six books in his field, the most notable of which are a widely used casebook on American constitutional law, now in its sixth edition, and the history of the Georgia Academy for the Blind. Otis was a devoted husband to his first wife, Linda, and later to his second wife, Mary Ballard Stevens, and the proud and loving father to his two daughters. He was an avid pianist and active in his local church, inquisitive, creative, and a doer, and truly an inspiration and motivational professional to everyone he knew. Everyone who was fortunate to get to know Otis couldn't help but respect and admire him for his accomplishments. He worked hard during his leadership of ACB to solve the organization's financial problems. During his years of academic, philanthropic, and advocacy service, he regularly attended national meetings of the um, American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys and unselfishly provided annual updates on constitutional law um, and the Supreme Court's terms to our organization. His relationships were masterfully um, masterfully given, and he always took the time at every convention to sit and talk with members, to mentor you, and to show how much he cared for you. And I think that really speaks to how truly wonderful of an individual that Otis Stevens was. In conclusion, Dr. Otis Stevens was a tremendous leader in this organization, loved and honored and respected by all who knew him. Thank you, Otis, for all you gave to us, for your integrity, professionalism, kindness, caring, and for being the teacher and friend that you were. Thank you, Otis. Thank you, Jeff. And now before we hear from Darian, I'm going to ask Larry and Rick if they could please play our Angels Memorial Tribute song written by the Sweet Adelines, Some Assembly Required from Nashville, Tennessee. On the other side The sun always shines There's no minutes, no hours There's no such thing as time But the streets are paved with gold And you never grow old On the other side On the other side Everybody sings There's miles and miles of flowers Lots of pretty things Where the sky's a perfect blue And everything looks brand new On the other side Well, I'd never been to heaven Didn't know what it was like But God let me have a glimpse in my dream last night 
And I could see you smiling You were looking right at me And for the first time in a long time On your face I saw some peace I knew everything was gonna be all right On the other side On the other side On the other side Do you ever see me cry? Do you know how much I miss you? Wish I could have said goodbye Just one more I love you Oh, am I really getting through On the other side Well, I've never been to heaven Didn't know what it was like But God let me have a glimpse In my dream last night And I could hear you laughing You were looking right at me And for the first time in a long time On your face I saw some peace And I knew everything was gonna be all right No more tears and no more sad goodbyes On the other side I'll see you on the other side. That was that was absolutely beautiful, and that was not some assembly required. That was Dan Dillon singing on the other side, but it was beautiful. And here is Darian Fleming. I just took a moment of personal privilege to hug my best friend from middle school, Kim Charlson. Can you, oh, okay. I just took a moment of personal privilege to hug my best friend from middle school, Kim Charlson. And this is a very special night. I would really rather have John here with me, um, and he can't be. So it's a privilege and just a joy to get to present John to the angel wall. And it's a really symbolic night because 11 years ago today, John and I were married. So... First and foremost, I want to thank the American Council of the Blind of Oregon for donating the contribution that enabled us to present John to the Angel Wall. And I want to thank um, Laura Frazee and Jenny Waters and Derek Yule and Tim Colosso 
for making sure I got here tonight. It's really exciting because my son happily surprised me at the last minute and drove all day to get here and just got here in time for this and then had to take a little girl to the ladies. So hopefully he'll be back to see this. So I just am very happy to have my son, Tim Hartman, and his daughters, Sophia and Audrey, with me tonight. So John touched a lot of lives. He was a thrill seeker by nature. Anything that went fast or high, he did it. And um, he never thought that he would be called Grandpa. But he got to hear that. And Sophia and Audrey were the joy of his life. Other than me. And just one more note. I had a nickname once John met me. If you write XOXOX and Jaws reads it to you, it says Zoxox. <laughs> so that became my nickname, and it makes me really happy. So finally, um, I want you to know that John was a skydiver. He jumped out of airplanes over 1938 times. And he spoke to groups in ACB and other people. And because he was a veteran, he was a passionate advocate for blind people, veterans, and all of us. And um, because he has such an inspiring story, we are making a documentary about his life, which we hope to have out in the next year, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm going to turn over the mic to Derek Yule, uh, the editor on our production team. Kim asked us to show a clip from the documentary. She was mistaken. She's going to turn over the mic to her son for just a moment. So John was an advocate. He was definitely involved. More mic. Can you hear me now? So briefly, I can see all of you. And there was no one in my life that was more influential than John. Aside from my mom. You guys may not want to listen to what I have to say, but he was very influential in my life and just the same as your own. He didn't let his blindness stand in the way of happiness. And regardless of his legacy or what you may take from the speech today and what the documentary may say about him, he had a positive impact on everybody's life. He did not leave anybody behind. So if there's anything that you can take away from what he has done with his life, just be happy and do what you want to do and don't let anybody stand in your way. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has 
fear. Everybody has an inability to be okay. You have to push through and you have to be okay. You have to be happy. And John was the embodiment of happy. And he found us and he entered our life. And he made us happy as well. And he taught us to be happy. Don't let blindness, don't let anger, don't let disappointment stand in your way. Just be happy. You can't take anything to the grave besides happiness. Just be happy. Thank you. Well, people, this is going to be an awesome moment, and you've already heard about John. Uh, to follow the progress of this documentary that you're going to see clips of, you can go to free. I mean, you can go to facebook.com forward slash blind John movie forward slash, and to twitter.com forward slash blind John movie. Free falling: the story of John Fleming, thrill seeker. Um. Now we're going to show the trailer. And this, this video will introduce you to John Fleming, also called Blind John or BJ. The voice you will hear first is John Fleming jumping out of an airplane. Started skydiving on a on a dare while I was in the Air Force. The Golden Knights, the world's best skydivers, the Army parachute team, was on the Wide World of Sports, and we were watching it. And I had made the statement, "Oh, I'd always wanted to do that." And go, I'll do it if you'll do it. And he said, "Well, I'll do it if you'll do it." Two two skydivers holding a hula hoop, while three other skydivers fly through the hula hoop. That's John. When I jumped out of the airplane the first time, I, my feet weren't back on the ground before I knew I'm going to do that again. I did. I did it 1,938 times. What you doing, Mo? Trying to talk BJ down. Who's that? Right up there. Give me a 90 right, BJ. Okay, stop. Back to the left, 90 left. Let it fly. Where? John lands cleanly on both feet. <laughs> All right. You can't see your hand in front of your face, right? You can't see my hand in front of my face. It's hard to describe, but like that first uh, first hill in a roller coaster, only you don't get that weird tummy feeling. It's just all of a sudden the bottom drops out, and you're there all by yourself with you know only you to to save you from hitting the ground real hard. Um, it's, so it's a very individual sport, although you jump with other people a lot of times, but you're totally on your own when you're out there. Can you imagine jumping out of an airplane when you could not see the ground and trusting someone to talk you down? I can't. I wouldn't even consider it. It's, a, it's an incredibly visual sport, and you get visual cues not just from what's in front of you, but 
from your peripheral vision, what's around you, seeing the wind, seeing the direction you're moving, all these little things, and to not have that. Use a radio and use a radio and a ground radio operator. Good, trusting, huh? <laughs> and yesterday you had a malfunction, huh? Yesterday I had a cutaway. Yeah. Number fifteen. I was fairly close by under canopy, and I'm going, BJ, get your hand out. His hands were stuck in the lines. And he goes, I can't. I said, get your hand out. He said, I can't. I said, get it out. He goes, it's fucking caught. <laughs> and then somehow he extracted it. And I remember, I just, I, I've never seen anybody with a malfunction. I was bawling my eyes out. He pounded in a lot. You know, in other words, we... He, he landed hard a lot of times, and we just thought, wow, what must that be like to be blind in skydiving? Because it's a challenging sport if you're sighted, right? So we all thought, hey, I know, let's all try putting blindfolds on. And so we put blindfolds on, and would exit the aircraft and have a radio on, and we would want to get talked down and everything. So exiting the aircraft, no problem. Free fall, no problem. After we'd open our parachute, no problem. But then, as we were starting to get instructions from somebody on the ground on the radio, there was not a single guy in this whole group on this load that kept his blindfold on. Four skydivers descending among the clouds, going from black silhouette to color. I actually put him into a tree about 30 feet up. And I've always told him, I said, you can, I'll take the blame for the first one, but the second one's on you, Beach, because I didn't want to do it anymore. He grabbed on for dear life. I remember the, the canopy was inflated behind him, trying to pull him out of the tree a little bit. And it was like all hands on deck to save him. Somebody went and grabbed a tractor and was driving it over there. I climbed the tree as fast as I could. And I got up to him, and, and he's hanging on this branch. And, and he says, Mike, he goes, I can't hold on any longer. And I said, John, I said, there's nothing below you for 30 feet but sharp, pointy rocks. And he says, I, I think I can hold on a little bit longer. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I said, this is terrible. He's like, TJ, if I can't find anybody around my radio, I can't sign up. He says, I can't do that. He says, I don't care. If you give me a bad landing once in a while, it's not a problem. The problem is if you quit running my radio. Yes. And I'm like, that's true. Okay, I'll keep doing it, Beach. Yeah. Yep, we all did. John's coming in for a landing. Three, two, one! He has a perfect landing hey, and grins with delight. Would you hold on to me? Yeah. Oh, on my leg? No, that was John. Oh, that was John? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought, boy, I think he's probably thinking about that. I was wondering, but I think, I, I knew it was a break-off shake, so I, he held on too long. I thought, that's probably Mike. <laughs> you know, people say, why jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And my answer is because it's fun. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Helen Keller. Trailer produced by Derek Yule and Jenny Waters. Executive producer, Darren Slayton Fleming. All right.
I'm speechless. That is going to be some documentary when it's done, and I can't wait to see it. Thank you, Darian. Thank you to your team. That was really special. I almost forgot who our next folks are. They're special, too. <laughs> they are one of our Double Diamond sponsors for the convention, the folks from AT&T. Um, I know they're around somewhere close by. Looking for Susan Masrui, the Director of Public Policy. And accompanying Susan is Suman Kantuganti, the CEO of IRA Technologies. So AT&T, thank you. Hi, Susan. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I, I have a lot to be grateful for from the American Council of the Blind. When I was a 16-year-old in college, I was losing my vision. I didn't know it at the time because back then they didn't tell you these things if you were a kid. And the first blind person I met, just by coincidence, was this incredible English teacher who was totally blind. Smart, capable, incredibly inspiring from a literature perspective, and believe me, English was not my first choice. And I learned a lot from her. I learned about being independent, which at 16 we all need to learn. I learned about overcoming obstacles and prejudice. I learned about working together and the importance of advocacy. And you know what? Today I'm still learning because she's the president of the California Council of the Blind, Judy Wilkinson. And I'd like to think some of the things I've learned from all of you, I've taken into AT&T because I see a lot of the work and a lot of the progress that's been made in the blind community, and I see how the folks at AT&T have embraced the hard work that you've all done. Because of input from people like Bernice Kandarian and Roger Peterson, because of the leadership we see from Jeff Tom and from President Charlson here today, we have been able to make changes in our company as well because we've learned just as ACB can work to change the world, we can do our part as well. And we know that partnership is a critical piece. And because of the work from folks like you, like Adley Blackburn and Kathy Blackburn who filed complaints initially with, with Singular Wireless, we were able to introduce the first talking cell phone. Because of the work and advocacy from all of you, we were able to offer the first iPhone that was with voiceover nationwide. Because of the leadership from folks like Eric Bridges and the folks like Mark Reichert, we were able to stand side by side with you and support the Communications and Video Accessibility Act. It's an incredible journey. We've been able to put 40 people on staff to look at between 8,000 and 10,000 products each year for accessibility because of you. We know partnership is critical. And the really exciting thing, one of the really exciting things we're working on today um, has to do with DirecTV and the progress we've made. And if you get a chance to go to the booth and talk to John Herzog, who we shamelessly stole from the FCC um, to work on accessibility, um, he can talk a little bit more about the progress we're doing there. 
and a very, very exciting piece, and someone I get to introduce to you today, has to do with a partnership that AT&T has with Ira. And we have today Suman Kanugati. Did I say it right? Okay. We've been, we've been practicing mispronouncing each of our names. It's been a lot of fun. Um, to talk about what I think is going to be game-changing technology for people who are blind, um, something that will put employers at ease, something that will be value-added to good blindness skills, and can change the world, not just for people who are, for blind, who are blind, but people across the world in general who can see. Thank you very much. And Suman, please, share what you have. All right, I have to ask, how is everyone doing today? Yeah? Yeah? Awesome. So, yeah, so my name is Suman Kanuganti. I'm the founder and CEO of a startup company called Ira. We are proud to be here today with our outstanding partner, AT&T, and I'm very thankful to be with you all today at this 56th ACB conference and convention. I would love to share my story of how I founded Ira. It was almost three years ago, and I had just met an amazing individual. His name is Matt Brock. He lives in Colorado. He's married and father of two beautiful daughters. At the age of 35, Matt became legally blind and was slowly forced to give up his profession as a weatherman. Now, Matt and I are techies, so I spent a lot of time talking about vision loss and where technology might help. Like so many blind people, he does not need people or technology to think for him. He only needs access to visual information that lets him make the most informed decisions day in and day out. As we founded Ira, we remembered that and defined our culture simply as the following. We would think like a set of eyes rather than think like a brain. Fast forward a year and Matt is spending on his patio with me. I described to him the green landscape viewable from his patio, and I distinctly remember describing a wooden handrail directly in front of where he was standing. We then took a walk. I informed him, saying, you are lined up with the sidewalk, and a Lexus is parked on his driveway, obstructing his path. Ha, huh, he says, that must be my neighbor, Kevin. Some of you may have shared a similar experience walking with a friend or family member who is blind, are visually impaired, and serving as their source of visual and environmental information access. However, in this case, I was 1,000 miles away in San Diego, sitting in front of my computer, seeing Matt's world through a camera located right in front of his eyes. I was literally seeing what Matt would be seeing and then describing it for him. Nothing more. I was just providing that missing information in real time. Matt acted on himself, as so many other visually people would do. Remember, we think like a set of eyes rather than think like a brain. Our premise, simply as it may sound, and shared by what I have learned from the blind community, including the members at the ACB, well said by my advisor Nicholas Giudice that the challenge with the blindness is not due to vision loss, 
but due to lack of immediate access to visual and environmental information. Let's face it, in this age, everyone appreciates instant access to information. It doesn't matter if it is blind or sighted. That's why I started IRA. We are on a mission to enhance access to information by providing a rich interaction platform to interact with both the physical as well as the digital world. Today, several people are using IRA to explore the world. We call these IRA enthusiasts our explorers, and they range from the young to the elderly, and we have a lot of explorers in this room. So thanks for being here today. Our explorers experience various degrees of blindness. Some are low vision, some have moderate blindness, and others are totally blind. But they have one thing in common. They are discovering a multitude of ways to apply IRA technology and services to accomplish virtually anything. They want in their quest to live even more, to live even more fully independent daily lives, either it be at home, at work, at school, are just out and about on a social evening. They are displaying the courage, motivation, and yes, a sense of curiosity and adventure to discover how far they can go with Ayura. They are truly our explorers. I have to share a few of my favorite examples of how our explorers are using Ayura. A mom reads bedtime stories to her kid every night. A student and agent go through a guitar lesson together. A dad baby-proofs his kitchen with his IRA agent helping. Yeah. An employee troubleshoots JAWS screen reader. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that here. A mom experiences her daughter's wedding. A woman enjoys the changing colors of autumn. And an athlete runs the Boston Marathon. From ordinary things to extraordinary things, people are doing more with IRA, anytime and anywhere. As one explorer told me, you are putting hours back into the day so I can get more things done. Or another said, with IRA, our time is our own and it's independence at a new level. So. How do we provide this level of assistance at a press of a button that is made much more efficient and yes, easier? Well, simply put, we are leveraging such technologies as augmented reality and artificial intelligence, but relying on people to deliver the very human experience that is the bedrock of our company's DNA. As a more pragmatic description, we use smart glasses and broadband networks in partnership with AT&T to connect users to a distributed network of trained human agents. The agents see the world through the vantage point of the smart glasses by the explorer. The agents then provide auditory narrative on what they see. Today, we think of that information as primarily visual, but there are really no limits to the sources of information we are adding to our platform. Anywhere from satellite Google Maps, public transportation, Amazon, Yelp, even Google, Facebook and Twitter, and yeah, Uber and Lyft. All this in one platform. 
Note that Ira is not intended to replace white cane or a guitar, but it's intended to augment and enrich the person's world. People are using this information access platform to acutely perceive the world around them. Making this technology available to the blind and the visually impaired is just a starting spot, but there are many, many applications far beyond. And in every case, the goal is to enable people to act independently or more efficiently and more autonomously in the years to come. So, while I'm here today to tell you the story of Ira, that story can really not be complete without talking about how the ACB has played an important role and how, because of some exciting news that I will share today, ACB will have an even more important seat at the table in the years to come. I first learned about ACB through Miami artist and ACB member David New back in 2015. David talked with passion and excitement about this organization, especially its impact on the blind community. A few months ago, I met ACB president and CEO Kim Charlson, he's on my right here, and committee chair Brian Charlson, and also Tony Stephens, director of advocacy at ACB. Tony and Charlson's are also our explorers. We discussed future goals and directions of IRA and how to make IRA technology and services available to even greater numbers of people who are blind. I gained so much insight from these leaders in a short period of time, and I would like to spend even more time with other partners at ACB to help IRA become that technology that I know it can be serving the greater community. Now, there are other pivotal moments in the relationship between IRA and ACB, such as our opportunity to meet and exchange ideas with Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director about technology and accessibility. A consummate leader, Eric, as you know, played a major role in the passage of 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010, which paved the way for advancements in accessible mobile communications like those leveraged to IRA. Now, I'm proud to announce that Eric Bridges has been named to the IRA Advisory Board. He will use his expertise to advance our efforts in exploring the role technology plays in breaking down the barriers to access. Many of you will also remember Paul Schrader and the outstanding job he did at ACB as Director of Governmental Affairs. I have had the privilege of counting Paul as a friend this past few years, and I'm equally proud to announce that Paul has joined IRA as Director of Public Policy at a full-time capacity. It is relationships like this that keep us at IRA so just and pumped about how far we have come in just two years and where we have the potential to go. We as a technology company will always be riding the wave of latest developments in the industry and continue to add more value to the platform. In IRA's growth and development, the ACB has been a continued source of my inspiration and insight, impressing upon me the common goals that our two organizations share. And I am committed to those shared efforts. To build upon this relationship, I am proud to be present at the conference 
with the members of Ayura team to recognize ACB's long history of striving to increase the independence, equality of opportunity, and quality of life for those with vision loss. Now close to a dozen of our team, including our technology team, business, agents, and also our current explorers, will be exhibiting our technology in the hall and demonstrating IRO product to our new users. Please do stop by and meet our team. We are in booth 28. So, today, to recognize our AT&T and IRA commitment to ACB partnership, I would like to now announce here at ACB, for the first time, three new product updates that are influenced by continuous feedback from our explorers, adding even greater value. One, IRA has this feature to take a snapshot, a picture, some of you may know, from point of view of the glasses. Our customers wanted to share those pictures with their friends and family. And so, today, we announced the launch of our IRA photo sharing feature, directly accessible from within the IRA app. Oh, wow. The second is really about rewarding our passionate customers and explorers who have been so helpful in spreading the word about IRA. Our customers love sharing their stories. And most of our new customers coming from referrals. Today, I'm excited to announce IRA's month-for-month -month referral program. As a customer, when you refer somebody else and they sign up, you both get a full one month free. The last exclusive news for this ACB conference relates to the conference only promotions which include all ACB conference attendees will get a 15% off on all the plans if you order on site. We shall give you a free aftershocks and yeah, that cool free IRA Explorer t-shirt. <laughs> Not in my script today, but earlier at the ACB student division, I have announced our first Larry Bock scholarship for two students. Nothing would make me prouder than seeing a strong group of ACB explorers using IRA. Finally, I have to thank our, thank our great partner, AT&T, who is working hard in giving IRA users priority to their network for a consistent and reliable experience with a technology called dynamic traffic management which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. People often tell me that we have built something that is futuristic. Well, I can tell you that it's real. It's available today to all ACB members, affiliates, and everyone. Please do not leave this conference without trying out IRA for yourself. And please spend some time with our team members and provide your feedback. And I'm exceptionally proud that our mission has drawn such high-caliber professionals and all are here for exactly the same reason. We believe in the difference we are making. So, together, together, we will crush any barriers that stand in the way of the blind, living the life they want on their terms, securing and excelling at the jobs they seek, enjoying parks and entertainment venues like everyone else, becoming even more efficient and in the process proving that vision loss is not a disability. Thank you again for ACB for your support as we look to a bright future 
And we are here in, exhibit, uh, in booth 28, and also our team is standing right outside in the conference hall if you guys want to talk more. Thank you again. Wow. <laughs> it really is wow. And take Suman up on, your off, on his offer. It is game-changing. I've experienced it. Brian will hardly ever let me have the glasses to use them. But we're sharing for now, but I'm not very good at sharing, Suman. So we'll have to work something out. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, we have other stories that are fantastic that we want to hear about tonight from another Double Diamond sponsor for our con conference. This company has done so much for people who are blind and visually impaired. Most of us have connection with them every day in one way or another. I'm so pleased to welcome to the podium Google. Eve Anderson, who's engineering and product manager for their core team of, on, at Google Accessibility. Eve, welcome to ACB. You're no stranger. Hi, everybody. Let me uh, get closer. Hi, everybody. And happy Saturday night. Woo! Uh, thank you so much, Kim, for the kind introduction. It's always so great to be here at this conference. I just love having the opportunity to meet people, to learn so much. Today we had three sessions. There were such good questions and good ideas. We came away with a full page or more of ideas. So thank you so much. Google's mission is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And accessibility is such a huge and important part of that. We truly believe that everybody in the world has the right to an education, to a good job, to the ability to communicate with their loved ones. And we want to be a part of that for everybody. There are so many people across the whole company who work on accessibility. In fact, we want everybody, all tens of thousands of people in the company, to be working towards accessibility. And that's why our engineers, our product managers, and our user experience designers all go through accessibility training when they join the company. We have seven Google employees here today. Uh, we have people here from the central team that I lead. My team, we, we work with all of the product teams across the company to help make our products accessible. And we do that by building tools for developers to use, by creating standards, by running these educational programs. And it's not just training for new employees. We have over a dozen courses that we offer to employees on an as-needed basis. Um, we run awareness events. We provide resources to everybody. We also have Google employees here who work on Android, Google Play, Chrome, G Suite, formerly known as Apps, which is our productivity tools, Search, and Google Home. 
So if you have questions, there's many people here to help answer them. Over the last year, we have uh, improved the accessibility of so many of our products. And I'm just going to give a few highlights of things that people here in this room worked on and helped launch. On Android, we have, uh, of course, we've had a screen reader called TalkBack for many years. One of the really cool features that we launched, which is great for me and my husband because we speak Spanglish, <laughs> is the text-to-speech engine can now automatically detect the language, even if there are multiple languages on one page, and it will change the voice and the accent to speak the correct language. Uh, we also launched fingerprint gestures. So a lot of phones, they have fingerprint sensors on the back now so that you can log in really fast. But one really nice thing about it is that your hand is often right there. Your finger's right there by the sensor. So if you're holding a cane or a guide dog harness in one hand and you want to be able to use your phone with the other hand without having to stop, it's so easy to just reach your finger up to the sensor and use that now to navigate through your phone instead of having to try to reach around. Uh, we also launched accessibility volume, so you can change the volume of your text-to-speech or other accessibility services without having to change your media volume overall. And something new, completely new, for people who have low vision is select to speak. So if you don't want to turn the screen reader on for the entire user interface, but you do need help understanding a specific passage of text, you can now just select that and have it read out to you. So that's really convenient for people. We have a, an operating system called Chrome OS. And over the past two and a half years, we've been working to completely rewrite it from the ground up. And we launched the new version of this in February. It's much faster. The experience is more consistent. There's simplified keyboard commands, uh, new navigational sounds, auditory improvements. We also enhanced our Braille support. So even more Braille devices are supported in Chrome OS. And we added Braille cording, which is the ability to type chords on the Braille keyboard to invoke commands in the screen reader. And so this makes it easier to navigate directly from the Braille display. And Chrome OS also launched something very similar to Android's Select to Speak. In G Suite, which as I mentioned, that's our set of productivity apps, we've also been making a whole bunch of ad advancements. So about a year and a half ago, we launched voice typing which is really handy because using a keyboard uh, can be time-consuming. And so you can, you can dictate everything that you want to go into your documents that you're editing. And we've added a whole bunch of new features to that. For example, commands, like being able to insert links or insert comments using your voice now. Google Slides is used for presentations. And we launched auto layout in Google Slides, so it can actually intelligently figure out the layout of your slides for you, so you don't have to. In Gmail, one of the really cool things that we launched recently using artificial intelligence is Smart Reply. 
Gmail analyzes the kinds of replies that you tend to make to messages. For example, if somebody suggests going out to coffee, maybe your typical reply would be, yeah, sounds great. Well, Gmail will figure that out and offer it as one of the replies that you can make so you don't have to fumble with your on-screen keyboard. Yeah, it is cool. Thank you. <laughs> and Gmail for iOS has been has had a major update lately. So if you haven't used it recently, please try it again. I think you'll like it. Has anybody used Google Sites? OK. To the one person who clapped, thank you. You rock. <laughs> so, yeah, so for those of you who haven't used it, Google Sites is a way for you to make and publish a website really easily just with, with a website editor. And you actually don't have to be a developer. And you don't have to know how to write code. And we launched a new Google Sites from the ground up. My team worked really closely with the Google Sites team from the beginning. And we made sure that Google Sites was great, not just for consuming content, but for editing and creating content. Because we want people to feel like you don't just have to be a consumer. You can create and get the word out there just as easily as everybody else. So give it a try. So we recently, I'm really proud, um, on behalf of my colleagues who've worked on this, we recently received the Helen Keller Achievement Award from AFV for advancements in these three product suites. And of course, one of the things that people ask us for most is documentation. And we've also launched so much documentation over the last year. So I hope it'll be easy for you to learn to try out some of these products that you haven't tried out yet and understand them easily. So in addition to launching things for end users, it's also really important for us to create things for developers because we want people to be able to create accessible websites and accessible Android apps as easily and effectively as possible. About one year ago, we launched a free six-week course on Udacity on web accessibility. We also have completely revamped our Android developer site to teach people all about accessibility. We've created uh, we've put up accessible code snippets, a guide to our APIs, self-paced Android exercises, videos, and a guide for testers. And that can all be found at g.co, which is our short way of saying google.com, g.co slash Android accessibility. We're also part of the Teach Access Initiative. The Teach Access Initiative is helping to advance university education of accessibility. And in addition to creating course content, we have um, we've put in our job descriptions for front-end web developers that we are looking for people with accessibility experience. And our hope is that that drives demand and so that university students will actually decide to take these courses. We've released tools for developers to use. So for example, the Chrome Accessibility Developer Tools for Web Developers. 
And just over a year ago, we released the accessibility scanner for Android, which makes it really easy for any developer to test an Android app to catch some of the common pitfalls. Uh, we're contributing to WCAG, and we have design guidelines, and we want students to be able to learn programming more easily. And one way that they do this is through what are called block programming language, languages. It's a really good, uh, easy curve into web development or any kind of development. And we recently released Accessible Blockly so that students with visual impairments are now able to learn programming in this way. So we gave three talks today. If you missed them, sorry. Um, <laughs> they were on Android, Chrome OS, and um, on G Suite. But the good news is that the people who gave these talks are still around, so you might be able to catch them at our talks tomorrow if you have questions about these products. Tomorrow we have two talks. One is on Google Home at 245. Google Home is our new smart speaker, and I think it's pretty cool. It's one of many devices that, that interacts with the Google Assistant, and also uh, Android phones and iPhones now are able to use the Google Assistant. Um, you can do some great things like controlling smart devices, like light bulbs, thermostats, outlets. It will also answer questions for you, so you can, you can ask general questions like, What's the population of sparks? Or you can ask questions that are personal to you, like what time is my flight to SFO? Or what's on my calendar for today? You can send messages, you can set reminders, you can shop, and you can play online music and more. Speaking of music, our second talk tomorrow is on Google Play, including applications such as music, books, newsstand, and more. So I hope you'll join us at those talks tomorrow. Two more calls to action. If you do want to help us test our products and get sometimes early access to our products, please sign up to participate in user studies. You can do that at google.com usability. And last but not least, all the interesting stuff over the last couple days that we've presented is on our Twitter feed. So visit us. Um, we are at Google Access on Twitter. Thank you very much. Enjoy your evening. Next, we are going to hear from Art Cabarero on Harvard Cabanello, Bar excuse me, Art, uh, on Philo 2. We're having a little fun up here. Okay, um, yes, I'm, I'd like, I'm here to introduce our good friend Philo 2 from Hawaii. Most of you know him for many, many years. Philo has been what we call the son of Hawaii. Um, he's one individual who always believed that blindness was not an issue. 
he believed that blind people were just simply that, people. And that the disability that came with it was merely an annoyance. Um, he was also someone who believed very much in technology. Uh, he had always tried out the latest and the greatest. He was always the first one to say, hey, Art, did you try this yet? Have you looked at that yet? What do you think about this? Yeah, that, was, that was Philo. He, was <laughs> he always kept me on my toes. Um, another great or big thing about Philo that I know of, he came to Hawaii as a young man. And from that point forward, he built himself up to be a well-known person within not just Hawaii, but within ACB itself. Uh, he was a strong advocate for the Blind Vendors Program. And he had even taken it to the point where for 10 years, uh, he and HAB would uh, fight the battle with the state of Hawaii to return the concessions at the airport back to the Blind Program, the, the BEP Program. And once they were able to do that, they then were able to um, create a new corporation called Blind Vendors Ohana, which Philo was the CEO of for many, many years. During that time, he had always said to me that blind people should always be uh, held, you know, with high regard and that they treated that you know treated with the respect that they deserve so in blind vendors ohana his focus was always to hire the blind person first before hiring a sighted person so again you can see right just from what i'm telling you just a little bit about him that he really did believe in the blind and the blind movement uh he was someone again that felt very strongly about ACB and, and all the folks that, were, that are here to uh, show their support for it. Um, he had always been someone that I re uh, regarded as someone to look up to. I met him when I was oh, in my early teens and I thought to myself, Gee, it would be great to be someone like him, you know, Philo too. He's, he's, the, he's the man. <laughs> so that's been uh, my relationship with him. Um, I want to add before I close here that I did have a talk with Philo before his passing. And one of the things that he asked is that the Hawaii Association of Blind um, and ACB uh, help to take care of his nephew who is uh, also legally blind and is now 19. So uh, HAB has brought um, Isaiah, who is his nephew, with us this year to the convention. Right. And Isaiah currently works for Blind Renders Ohana as a cashier as well. So you can see that the tradition of Philo II still continues today. Thank and in, uh, in the words of Philo too, Aloha.
Thank you, Art. And now from Hawaii, we're going to go to Alaska and hear from Lynn Correll of Sandy Sanderson. Hi, everybody. Um, let's see. Um, Sandy was really the love of my life. And on January 8th, when we were told that he'd only have six months to live and uh, they wanted to put him into a assisted living home, I basically told the nurse, the benefits counselor, the discharge planner, that they can't do it because he had said that he was afraid that he'd never see his condo again. So... He died at home the way he wanted to. But Sandy did things his way all his life. He only had an eighth grade education. Did you guys know that? That's it. He only had an eighth grade education. He was in Toastmasters. He um, had shows, promotional shows, the Coasters, the Shirelles, the Platters, the Riders in the, the, in the Sky. He brought them all up to and the um, Chubby Checker, um, all up to Alaska to do benefits for Aries and for Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, the Shriners, and other groups of, of um, non-profits um, for Alaska. He was called the Alaskan Bear. He started the Rehabilitation Center uh, Paratransit Services in Alaska. Last summer after he died and people were helping me pack up, um, one of my friends and one of the people who used to work at the Alaska Center for the Blind um, said that Sandy and I had done more for blind Alaskans than anybody else had ever done. And that was very gratifying to me. He used to say that he did everything for um, people who weren't born yet, blind people who weren't born yet. He would say that we don't, we don't have a lot of money, but we have a lot of fun. And he would say, eight, skate, and donate. And he had these great expressions of, uh, he had, he called me Lindstrom, he had names for everybody, everybody. And he would tell stories about how he'd walk 11 miles when he was sighted to his homestead. Not only that, but his daughter showed pictures of when he was sighted, and he would invite people ho over to dinner, um, etc. So, um, in closing, I would like to thank everybody who donated for the um, ACB Angel Wall and thank especially Christopher Gray who wrote the great tribute to him. And um, I just want to uh, sing one verse of the song that I sang on the memorial also. Um, oh, I'm scared. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it was just... A we had, well, we were married for 11 years and together for, for 23 years. And um, we were married on um, August 21st, 2005. And he was born uh, 1932, February 28th, died Jan June 28th, 2016. Um, anyway, um, I can't think. So <laughs> thank you very much.
Thank you, Lynn. And now could John McCann, Doug Powell, and Carol Francisco please come to the stage for the next one. All right, I want to recognize another one of our Double Diamond sponsors, somebody who I just met for the first time today, but Eric and Jeff and so many other people in ACB have been telling me what a fabulous person she is, and that is Jessica Refuse, and she's the NGO program manager from Microsoft Corporation in Redmond, Washington. Jessica? I'll keep talking. Give me a thumbs up when it's good. Okay, thank you. I guess it feels good to get those arms in the air since it's getting kind of late, so we can uh, wake up that way. But on behalf of Microsoft, I just want to thank everybody for the warm welcome that I've received um, since arriving here. This is my first ACB conference, so I'm super excited. So as Kim mentioned, my name is Jessica Rafuse, and I am the NGO program manager for our accessibility team, which means that I work with organizations that focus on people with disabilities, including ACB. So lucky me, it's kind of a dream job. Um, I just wanted to take a couple minutes because you're going to be hearing from my team later in the week, so I didn't want to um, take up too much of your time. But I hope you know that over the last 18 months or so, Microsoft has been working really hard to develop products, services, and websites that really delight our customers who are blind. And I can say with the absolute confidence that the progress we have made over the last 18, the last 18 months, we absolutely owe to ACB and its members. So give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah, Whether it's those of you who have called the Disability Answer Desk and provided us with feedback. Yeah? <laughs> Lots of you. Thank you so much for using that service. Whether it's those of you who have participated in formal feedback studies or uh, those of you who I can personally call at any hours of the day, any time zone, and get advice, whether that's related to our products or related to raising a toddler. I really appreciate having those connections with ACV. Uh, personally, um, I just want to say what an honor it is to be in the room. Um, I really consider most of you, many of you, um, absolute uh, legends in the field of disability inclusion. And I'm saying that um, as a lawyer, as a former administrative judge, I'm saying it as a wife, as a mother, I'm saying it as a person with a disability and as a wheelchair user. Um, it is just an honor to be in a room of the people who are paving the way for the disability community. So thank you all for having me here. So as this week goes on, I promise you, you will meet my colleagues from Microsoft. 
I encourage you to stop by our session, to stop by the booth, to uh, check in with the usability study on the 4th of July. Make sure that you um, give them your feedback, your honest feedback. Tell them everything you think, the good, the bad, and the ugly they want to hear. But also learn about the things and the progress that we've made in Windows and in Office. I really do think that the engineers have been working really hard, and you'll be happy to see what they've done. Lastly, I hope you all can hang around until Thursday when my boss, the Chief Accessibility Officer at Microsoft, Jenny LeFleury, will be here. And she'll be speaking about the Microsoft journey that we've been on. And although we don't have all of the answers, we've um, made a lot of progress. And I would love for you all to hear directly from Jenny as she tells you more about that story and really the essential, essential partnership with ACB to get us where we are today. If you've never met Jenny, she is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm smiling and giggling a little bit. She is um, persistent, she is passionate, she is brilliant, and she's pretty sassy. So I hope you enjoy her talk on Thursday. Um, but again, thank you so much for your partnership and have a wonderful conference. Next part of our program, I need to get my other piece of paper. We have some people to recognize who have, over the course of the past year, acquired life memberships in the American Council of the Blind. So, this year, Nancy Becker is going to be helping me, and um, we will call individuals forward and give them an opportunity to make a brief remarks. And if I have somebody's name wrong, Nancy will correct me. So I think we're going to start with um, recognizing Marilyn Kirshner. She's from Branson, Missouri. And she purchased her own life membership in the American Council of the Blind. Nancy, is Marilyn here? I don't remember. Okay. I don't believe Marilyn's here. And we will identify someone from Missouri to, um, we'll work with them to get her, her life membership. All right. Another life member is Jerry Herndon from Crossville, Tennessee, and that life membership has been paid for in, in, in honor by the Tennessee Council of the Blind, and Linda Simons, Simmons. Simmons, excuse me, will be accepting um, the plaque on for, for Jerry. Do you want to say a few words, Linda? Okay. Just a couple? <laughs> okay. And if Dan Sipple can make his way forward, that would be helpful. 
Good evening. I'm Linda Simmons. I'm president of the Visually Impaired Support Group of Crossville, Tennessee. Jerry was the first president of the VIST group. Uh, the VIST group was put together with two groups, two small groups, and they joined forces, and he was the first president. He also was very important on doing our bylaws, uh, the 5013C, the uh, amendments of, of our organization. And he uh, was very passionate about doing things for the vision impaired. He was uh, one that started with our, our city on getting the striping for, for uh, talking for Crossville. Yeah, sidewalks, steps. So, because he knew how hard it was for to, to, to walk with how heavy striping, and so he was very, uh, very passionate, and talked with the Congress Senate to help that, get that law passed. And we appreciate Jerry here very much for our group. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Our next life membership has been purchased to recognize someone who has made a real contribution to um, people who are blind, most specifically to people who participate in the Randolph Shepherd Vendors Program in this country. It's my pleasure to recognize Dan Sipple to accept life membership on behalf of Robert Humphreys from Sun City Center, Florida. Well, we're not seeing Dan, so uh, we will make sure that Dan accepts and uh, delivers this to Robert Humphreys. All right. All right, our next life member, I'm pretty sure she's in the room. Um, she's a longtime advocate in Georgia, and she is a spitfire. I've had the opportunity to work on several structured negotiation cases with her, and nobody is going to take advantage of Alice Richard from All Brunswick, right. Georgia. She purchased her life membership and what that means to her. Thank you, Alice, and I hope you'll come forward to say a few words. She's coming. She is coming.
bring our next person up, but guess what? That one says surprise, so I can't do that quite yet. So... Nancy and Alice? She's close. <laughs> That's a long way to get up here. Jeff here. <laughs> okay, can everybody hear me? I, I can't imagine that you've never been able to hear me, but um, I'm so excited and glad that I was able to purchase my lifetime membership because I have what I consider three families. My family, <laughs> which are, make up all my brothers and sisters and everybody. And then there's my family from the Indiana School for the Blind, and then there's my ACB family, because it's been through ACB that I've been able to express myself and know that I have people behind me who also <laughs> believe in what I believe in, and I'm just glad to be and say that ACB is my family and where I want to be. Thank you. Um, you're a lot taller than I am. <laughs> and our, our last live membership is a surprise. It's for a special lady who many of us know, who helps so often in so many ways um, people throughout this organization all the time. It's a surprise. Um, she is here. She is from Somerville, Georgia. She is Marsha Farrow. All right. <laughs> Marsha Farrow's life membership was purchased by a dear friend, and it probably won't be too hard to figure out who that dear friend is. So, Marsha, congratulations.
speechless? I don't know. Speechless. I think I know who's behind this one. Yeah, dude. I think I she's think right, right there. there. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am following the firecracker. <laughs> Um, well, I am I am speechless. I'm not speechless very often. I'm like Alice. I am not speechless. But uh, I, I say kudos to what Alice has said. Uh, there's nothing like family. And we, we have our families that we were born into. Some we chose and some we wouldn't want to choose. But, but our ACV family, we... We choose you and that, and thank you. Thank you for being our family. And thank you, Alice. Right. Yeah, Alice is, is, is my best friend. We graduated from Florida State University together, and we've kind of caused some ruckus in Georgia a few times, too, haven't we? <laughs> thank you. All right. Next, um, I think they're up here and ready to go. I want to recognize our chair of the ACB DKM, Derwood K. McDaniel First Timers Committee, Kenneth Simeon from Beaumont, Texas. And this is the first year that Kenneth has been chair of this committee, and he's done a phenomenal job. He's just so organized, he impresses the socks off me. And uh, I just am so happy to be working with him. And he'll introduce us um, all to this year's first-timers. Kenneth? Perfect. Hello, everyone. Tonight, we want to honor two applicants who have, have become the 2017 DKM first-timers. And uh, we will have audio, an audio introduction played for each of them, and then I will give them the microphone to come up and say a few words. J.R. Kinnison, are you Introducing the 2017 DKM first-timer award recipients. Congratulations is extended to the following 2017 recipients. J.R. Kinnison of Bremerton, Washington. J.R. is employed by the Seattle Lighthouse for the Blind and currently serves as president of his local chapter, Peninsula Council of the Blind, with past experience as a member of the board of directors, as well as being active on the event planning committee and in fundraising efforts. He is connected to his community as a member of the local Lions Club, serves on the ADA Compliance Advisory Committee, provides input while advocating for the needs of passengers who are blind during public transit meetings. Since becoming a member of the Washington Council of the Blind, he serves on the membership committee and was selected to participate in the affiliate Leadership Seminar. J.R. Kennison, are you in the room? We thought you might be up on the stage at this time. J.R. Kennison.
Okay, everyone, I'd like to introduce to you uh, J.R. Kennison and I give him a chance to have a few words. Good evening. <laughs> Thank you for. Uh, I appreciate the that uh, uh, I um, uh, the West Coast winner of the award, and um, I am, as the announcer said, uh, uh, president of Peninsula Council of the Blind of Bremerton, Washington. And I um, just recently got that position this year. And um, I have quite a few members here tonight. And I was just appreciated for wanting to let everybody know, thank you from ACB, that I won this award and for letting me come to convention this week. Introducing now. Graham Steele of Riverside, Wyoming. Graham stepped up at a crucial time in her affiliate and is currently serving her first term as president of the Wyoming Council of the Blind. She began her service on the board of directors two years ago. Graham is eager to learn and share leadership skills she has gained. She has taken the lead in planning her affiliate convention and overseeing the daily updates of changing government issues or laws that are entered. She is active in fundraising and has initiated and succeeded while facilitating a group fundraiser. Graham recently attended the state legislative meeting and was honored to meet and greet key decision makers within the community and state. She considers it a privilege to have been able to advocate for others by sharing issues of concern to all who have experienced vision loss. Ladies and gentlemen, Graham Steele. Thank you very much. I just want to say that I'm so proud and so thrilled to be here and have an honor to do this. And I want to thank everybody on my board and my members in Wyoming Council of the Blind to have an opportunity to bring back what I learned here. And I've learned so much in just the last couple of days. And I thank you all. And, I thank you. and it's been, well, I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you for recognizing them and honoring them with us tonight. I uh, do want to say thanks to the DKM committee for all the work that they have done throughout this year. And we have uh, members, Marjorie Byers, Steve Fixdell, Zelda Gebhardt, Cindy Laban, Betsy Grinovich, Carol McGee, and our officer liaison was Carla Rushevel, and our staff liaison has been Kelly Gask, and they have done a great job to make everything work well for us 
this year. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Hello. Uh, next, back with the angels, I'd like to introduce Carol Francisco from Tennessee to talk about her former husband, B.H. Newman. Carol? Okay. Okay. Uh, good evening, you all. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. I know I can talk loud, but not quite loud enough for this big room. So... Who is B.H. Newman anyway? After all, he died back in 2000, so a lot of you don't know him and never heard of him. Like Mr. Sanderson, B.H. Newman only had an eighth grade education. It happened because in rural Tennessee in those days, there weren't exactly a lot of large print books available to young kids with visual impairments. So when it was no longer possible to read, he had to drop out of school. But that didn't stop him from working hard. It didn't prevent him from being a musician who played upright bass and played guitar. It didn't prevent him from being an auctioneer, which was one of the most amazing personality transformations I've ever seen. <laughs> because he went from a guy with a thick southern slow drawl to... <laughs> And that was pretty much how it was. Unfortunately, he never got to see the auctions we now have in ACB. He'd have had a great time with it. But he was a serious guy back in the 1950s while raising four kids. He was a union organizer, working in factories and a sawmill. And in those days, if you were a union organizer, from what he told me, there were no answering machines and you got threatening phone calls and rocks thrown through your windows but those things happened. I think one of the best things I've ever done for ACB is to introduce B.H. Newman to it. Um, he was our vice president for many years. He was our legislative chairman for many years. And he didn't hesitate to walk up to anybody. They got to know him in the legislature because if you didn't meet him in the office, he was bound to follow you down the hall and stand at the door of a meeting room until you came out of it. So they learned that they needed to listen to him. I know at one point we had a bill about Braille reading, and even though B.H. didn't read Braille, he was out there, and uh, one of the legislators asked the, a guy from rehab what he thought of it, and the guy, what B.H. thought of it, and the guy said, well, I don't know. And the legislator said, well, I'll find out what B.H. Newman thinks of it, and if he likes it, I'll vote for it, and if he doesn't, I won't. <laughs> that was the kind of man that he was. I had a wonderful life with him for 19 years until he passed away suddenly of a heart attack. But I now have a wonderful second husband who is sitting here in this room uh, supporting me through this. But I do have to tell you a little about that name. I don't know why in the South they chose a lot of times in those years to name a kid just by, their, by initials, especially a man. He used to joke that his parents thought he wouldn't live very long and they wanted to have enough money to put it all on a tombstone. <laughs> what it really was is they had a friend named B.H., but 
they didn't they didn't like his real name, so they just gave him initials and figured he'd fill it in for himself. Well, he never did. So we had to do it for him. The thing he was most known for was his strength and determination, something that he has taught me a bit of, I hope. So we all named him Bullhead. <laughs> and that's what he became known as. Of course, Oral Miller gave him a name. Oral Miller gave him a name Benjamin Harrison. And that's sort of how he got to be known in ACB. Nobody would remember me, but if I said I was Mrs. Benjamin Harrison, they knew who I was. But of course, to me, and to so many of us in Tennessee who needed a little help, he was big heart. And everybody knew, if we were in a restaurant, that Johnny Cash voice would come booming out. And it would be time to find the exhibit hall wherever a bunch of us were going, and he would be at the cash register saying, all right now, Tennessee train's going to leave the station and y'all grab on. And the next thing I knew, we'd have 20 people following us at least. <laughs> so that was BH. Not a well-known person or major accomplishments like a lot of our Tennesseans. Otis Stevens, for one. And I do want to also thank Dan Dillon. I'm glad I didn't have to talk after you sang that song because... I got a little choked up over that one. I know it's dedicated to Brenda, but I also think of it as dedicated to BH. And I thank you for writing it, and I thank everyone for listening. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is John McCann. You may recognize the voice. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, but for the setting, I would encourage more of that. But uh, yeah, this, this is in memoriam for Pat Beatty. And I'll be followed by Doug. So I'm going to make my remarks comparatively brief. I know that's a struggle for an attorney. I come from a, I come from a profession where people write 500-page documents and call them briefs. So uh, be advised. <laughs> Pat Beatty would appreciate that. She really would. You've got to trust me in this. Pat was an incredible tower of strength in ACB. I'll speak you know, to uh, her involvement in Virginia. She came to Virginia in 1982, uh, September or October of that year, and she was a community organizer hired by the American Foundation for the Blind. There were some very, very interesting things that were happening in Virginia at that time. Shortly after her arrival, I like to think that it wasn't because of it, um, there was a Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission, which is uh, basically a study organization, or a st sort of like GAO, for the Virginia State Legislature. And they were advocating, or they put forth the proposition that uh, the state agency for the blind should be combined with the generic agency. Well, we got a very, very quick education uh, as to the most effective way to head that off. And Pat was very you know, instrumental in that. And then we had some more positive developments when Virginia, five years before the ADA, um, Virginia uh, had introduced into the state legislature um, a, a bill which was the Virginians with Disabilities Act and it presaged a lot of what we subsequently saw in uh, the federal realm in 1990. And Pat was very instrumental in moving that forward and helping us 
be better advocates to make that happen. In deference to the fact that Doug is following me, I want to tell you a story that's sort of bittersweet. Near the end of her life, you know, Pat was suffering from cancer, and the cancer was pretty far along, and as it so often happens in that type of situation, she was very heavily medicated in one of her hospital stays. And she decided that she really needed to get out of there, and she called me, and of course I wasn't going to be able to get her out of there, but I assured her I would come immediately. And she must have told the nursing staff that, don't worry, I've called John McCann. Well, what they heard was she called John McCain. I showed up and they were relieved when they saw a guy with a cane and glasses. But they did ask because there was questions about power of attorney and I had to produce, and I didn't have that, but I did have to produce an ID. And so they realized she wasn't as far out as might have been suggested by the heavy medications. You know, it's one of these things, but God bless you, Pat. You left us too soon, but you left us with a heck of a legacy. And I commend you now to Doug Powell for his remembrances. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I, Pat, you know, I, I, I took this hard uh, this, in when she died in 2010. Uh, she, was, uh, she was my mentor. She was my champion. And she was my mentor. She was my uh, champion. And she was my friend. And uh, John has spoken, and, and also Charlie, when he wrote the tribute to her, uh, after, you know, after she passed, uh, have spoken about, you know, her contributions to uh, this organization and blind people throughout the country and in the state and the state of uh, the Commonwealth in Virginia. Uh, I want to speak about the, you know, the influence she had on me and, and so many other people. It's funny, you know, I, I was grieving for her and, you know, talking to people when I came to the convention. And, and everybody I talked to said, yeah, she mentored me too. You know, yeah, I really miss her too. And I, I had no idea of the reach that she had on a personal level because she worked her ass off for the organization and, you know, and for, and for blind people, you know, and, and uh, was always on, on commissions and committees and all, getting stuff done. But I had no idea of the personal influence that she had throughout this organization. Um, I believe she, uh, she taught us to reach out and take action. I, she also, yeah, she also taught me that, you know, it's not enough to say, well, that's not fair. And, you know, NFB has it, so why couldn't we have it? Right? She taught us to do the homework. Find out what the laws are. Develop a plan and go in there and fight with, with, the, with the facts that you needed to get stuff done. So, um, and I think she, uh, she taught a bunch of other people that, those same kinds of uh, techniques for both advocacy and for life. And I believe ACB is a much, more str a much stronger organization for her, her having uh, participated with us. So I, I think you will join me, and I think Pat would uh, actually chuckle to hear Pat Beatty and Angel in the same sentence. <laughs>
But I can't imagine anyone who deserves that honor more. So I would like to have us all uh, raise our uh, symbolic Heineken and welcome Pat Beatty to the uh, ACB's Angel Wall. Thank you. All right. I want to recognize Eric Bridges to say just a few words about our J.P. Morgan Chase 2017 Leadership Fellows, and then he'll recognize Kenneth Simeon. Well, good evening. Good evening. I've been standing next to this mic all night, actually. For the last, I would say, roughly four years, ACB has developed and continues to, to enhance our relationship with J.P. Morgan Chase. This is a relationship that started through interesting circumstances where one day uh, the retiring executive director of the Equal Rights Center of Washington, D.C. was having lunch with me and said, hey, uh, do you want to meet some people from J.P. Morgan Chase sometime? Literally, that was the question. I was like, I said, sure, I'd be up for that. And uh, that, that sort of facilitated a, a meeting and it turned out that while J.P. Morgan Chase had been doing a lot of work with people regarding uh, people with disabilities, they hadn't really reached out to the blind community. And so they are, you know, they were actively seeking to work, begin to work with the blind community to understand what was going on and the needs that the blind community had from a banking standpoint. So... Uh, had a series of meetings, really excellent meetings, and it, it wound up that they expressed a real desire to work with us, not just to meet at, you know, in New York or in Washington, but really to gain a better understanding of the blind community. So in 2014, they were here. 2015, they were here, sponsors, but also here doing focus groups. Last year, they were at our convention. This year, they will be at our convention, uh, late in the convention, on Wednesday. And Amy Firash will be here on Thursday morning to, to provide their sponsorship presentation. It has been great working with them, getting a better understanding of what they're doing regarding the active recruitment and talent acquisition of qualified folks with disabilities to come and work at the largest bank in the world, J.P. Morgan Chase. Additionally, our feedback has been essential as they continue to evolve their websites, their apps, as well as their branch banks. We view them as a key partner, and I believe that they likewise view us as a critical partner for the continuing evolution of their business because as we all know they're not just a bank they're also a technology company 
So with that, I'd like to thank J.P. Morgan for now the second year sponsoring the J.P. Morgan Fellows Program at ACB. And with that, yeah. And with that, I'll hand it over to Kenneth Simeon. Kenneth. Hello again. Uh, hopefully everybody is still awake. And if you're not, uh, uh, hopefully we, you can join us this time and get a little bit more excited when we recognize the recipients of the uh, 2017 J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows class. We'll begin by having audio presentations as we did before, and then each person will have a chance to speak. The first person will be Anthony Akamine. Introducing the class of 2017, J.P. Morgan Chase, ACB Leadership Fellows, Anthony Akanime, Honolulu, Hawaii. Anthony graduated from Capilano Community College in 1994 with his associate's degree in sales and marketing and a certificate in market and human relations. He holds an extra class amateur radio license. He served as the president of student congress at Capilano Community College and served in a variety of leadership roles on the Disability and Communications Access Board, DCAB. Currently, he's a core team member of John 1721, a resource ministry that advises churches on how faith-based groups can become more inclusive and accessible to people with disabilities. Since becoming a Hawaii Association of the Blind member, he serves as the HAP representative for the City Citizens Advisory Group to the Oahu Metropolitan Planning Organization. Anthony is also a member of the Hawaii Association of Blind Students, have parents of blind children, and a supporter of Maui's Kiki Parents of Visually Impaired Children Group. Right. Anthony Akamine. Aloha, ACB. Aloha. I'm excited. How about you? To each and every one of you, I say mahalo. Mahalo, thank you to J.P. Morgan Chase for your kokua, your help, in putting together the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow Program. It's, I'm truly humbled and blessed to be here. And I'm just truly excited. <laughs> 20 years ago, <laughs> to think of it, 20 years ago, I probably would not be. Because 20 years ago, I was in a hospital, exactly 20 years today, fighting for my life not knowing if I was going to be alive. But I stand here today to say if I can do it, you can do it. All things are possible through him who gives us strength. And I just want to say th thank you to all my fellow re fellowship recipients because you all give me strength. And you folks give your affiliates and ACB strength as well. 
And I just want to say a special shout out to one of my mentors. When I was seven, and way before I was blind, <laughs> he showed me about family, and he happens to be here, Mr. Norman Ota. And I just wanted to also say thank you to my fiance, Terry. For, because she was the one that got into American Council before I did. <laughs> and they allowed me to just grow up as I was and to be who I am and just be open to opportunities, I'm where I am today. So I'm just excited and I look forward to meeting each and every one of you. Thank you very much. Aloha. Next audio, please. Introducing Lori Allison from East Tacoma, Washington. Once she got involved with ACB and WCB, Lori was elected president of her local chapter for seven years. She served two terms on the WCB board, chaired the membership committee, WCB convention committee, and she currently chairs the Families with Blind Children committee. Lori obtained her associate's degree as a medical office assistant with certificates in medical billing and medical transcription. She was honored in 2010 as the Tacoma Area Disability Advocate of the Year. I threw a wrench in the works here. I'm in my doom buggy or wheelchair right now. <laughs> I kind of shocked everybody, including, including myself. I am so proud and so honored to, be have, cho to have been chosen by J.P. Morgan Chase, ACB, and the DKM committee to be one of the leadership fellows. My passion has always been children who have visual difficulties. I call them difficulties because, praise the Lord, some of them have been corrected. And that is so exciting to me. But we still have a lot of work to do. And I am here to not only listen and learn, but hopefully to develop more of my leadership skills so that I can continue to do the work that is truly a passion of mine and that is blind children. They are our future. Thank you. Next audio please. Introducing Sarah Harris from Fresno, California. In November 2002, Sarah's life was changed forever 
when she was involved in a major car accident. She lost her vision in a split second. One year later, she welcomed her daughter Carson into the world and had a new and important purpose. Sarah spent the next few years focusing on being a mother and learning how to live as a blind person in a sighted world. She started volunteering at Valley Center for the Blind in Fresno and in 2014 was introduced to the California Council of the Blind. Later that year, she was elected as local chapter vice president. She has served as fundraising committee chair, done outreach presentations in the community, organized White Cane Day awareness events, and has become an advocate on a local level. Last August, Sarah was appointed to the Transportation Subcommittee for the Disability Advisory Commission for the City of Fresno. And this year, she became the president of CCB's Fresno chapter. Good evening, ACB. Good evening. Um, wow, kind of sounds like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> it is with sincere gratitude and great respect that I thank ACB and J.P. Morgan Chase for giving me this opportunity. Um, I want to continue on my path to become a more effective leader in my community and on the state and national level. I also want to give a big shout out to Kenneth Simeon Sr. for providing us with so many great updates um, in the, you know, the days coming up to the convention. Um, thank you, thank you. Give him a hand, guys. He's amazing. And I promise that I will take everything I learn here back and um, not only uh, put it to work, but share with uh, my fellow uh, state and chapter members for sure. Thank you very, very much. Right. Introducing Daisy Russell from Melrose, Massachusetts. Daisy is a sophomore at Wheelock College in Boston, working toward a double major in educational studies and humanities literature with a minor in writing. In May, she traveled with her college to Nicaragua for a service learning trip to assist with education and literacy opportunities for children there and to gain more real-world experience and to investigate the Peace Corps as a possibility after college. Daisy currently participates in Wheelock Student Theater as a member and secretary and is presently helping to form VoiceAbility, an advocacy awareness and support group for students with disabilities and their allies on campus. Daisy has been a member of ACB since age 15, and she was one of the founding members of the student chapter of the Bay State Council of the Blind. She currently serves as their president. Okay, it does come down. I'm a little short. <laughs> um, so, six years ago, a very incredible woman, my teacher of the visually impaired, um, later a family friend, and one of the best role models I could have had growing up, Marsha Dresser, got me involved in ACB, and I've been involved ever since. Yeah. She is no longer with us, but she helped found um, Bay State students, and so I have done my best to keep that going as um, president currently. So um, a huge thank you to her um, for introducing me to this great organization. I also want to thank, thank uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and the DKM committee 
as well as in particular Kenneth Semyon for um, giving me this opportunity for choosing me and for for um, seeing the potential that I have um, to be a leader. And um, I also want to thank all of you who make ACB what it is as an organization of the blind that is worth joining and becoming passionate about. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of thank yous to make. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> Introducing Michelle Zitz from Fargo, North Dakota. Michelle's a graduate of North Dakota University, where she received a Bachelor of Science in Human Development and Education, majoring in Child Development and Family Science. And she worked part-time as an accessibility consultant for NDSU's Information Technology Department. She has been a member of the North Dakota Association of the Blind and American Council of the Blind for the past 20 years. In 2016, Michelle received the NDAB Edwin Christensen Award, where her 11 years of board service as president and past president were recognized. She has worked for seven years with the NDAB Family Adjustment Seminar and been an instructor in summer camp and is active in the Ski for Light program. Michelle participates in NDAB's fundraising efforts and is a member of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee and serves as the current chairperson of the NDAB Nominating Committee. In her community, she has provided information and referral services, operated the Suicide Prevention Hotline, and served on their local Independent Living Center board as vice president. Michelle Zintz. Good evening, everyone. Good day. <laughs> I'd like to begin first by thanking, of course, J.B. Chase Morgan, or Morgan Chase. <laughs> We've heard that name a lot. And um, Kim, Kim shared with us that they are not only providing help and assistance by providing the leadership fellows, but also for the ACB's funding for the strategic plan. And that's one of the things that we have been working on at the North Dakota Association of the Blind. And that's a wonderful tool and it'll help both organizations grow into the future. I'd like to thank um, Kenneth's hard work along with the DKM committee and going through all of the applications. You just see the five ones that were selected. And you're not hearing the story of the other individuals that weren't chosen, but are out in the audience this evening. <clears throat> Thank you, Kim and Eric and Kenneth. It's nice to get to meet you. And I want to especially thank NDAB's current president, Zelda Gebhardt, for encouraging me to apply. Thanks. Okay, congratulations to all of our recipients for this year. We'll see you next year. Thank you. 
Let's have one more round of applause for those five great individuals. Thank you. John Huffman, can you come forward? Um, while John's coming to the podium, the uh, agenda says the first uh, credentials committee report. And Jean Mann, who has served as chair of the credentials committee, was unable to come due to illness. So she, um, she notified me of that fact. And I reached out to somebody who I rely on quite heavily in his role as Constitution and Bylaws Chair to make sure that I'm doing the, the right things and following our Constitution to the letter. And so I've asked John to step in as Interim Chair for Credentials Committee and to present this year's report. John? Thank you, Madam President. That walk did me good. <laughs> My report will probably be briefer than the time it took me to walk up here, but <laughs> um, the Credentials Committee has met. We have worked with uh, staff to verify and um, judge the accuracy of the uh, reports that have come in by way of the uh, affiliates, submissions of um, memberships and uh, dues submitted. Uh, we have been fortunate in that there have been few problems to deal with. Most, uh, most affiliates got their work in on time uh, and cooperated well with the national office to get to deal with uh, any anomalies that were found. I do regret to mention that there are three state affiliates whose member who will not be seated at the uh, convention this year due to the fact that their memberships have fallen below the threshold level of 13 members needed to um, certify one delegate. Those are the state affiliates from Connecticut from New Mexico and from South Carolina. Additionally, one other uh, affiliate was simply not heard from at all and therefore will not be seated. They, they made no submission this year and, and, rent and paid no dues. For members of the three affiliates that I mentioned um, as having low membership, if there happen to be individual members from those affiliates who are here uh, and, and are in good standing with their uh, memberships, they can still vote as uh, individual members during a roll, during a roll call vote. Uh, in the case of the fourth organization that made no report, they will not be seated and we have no information to verify whether individual members are in good standing. Um, that ends the report at this time. Uh, when we get to the roll call, which I know you're eagerly waiting for, 
<laughs> then you will know, uh, each affiliate will know how many votes they have been certified and they will at that point be able to determine uh, whether there are any questions to be addressed uh, to the Credentials Committee. Uh, here ends the report. I will uh, come back again tomorrow and uh, hopefully uh, conclude the uh, credentialing process. Thank you. Thank you, John. And now to Dan Spoon for our final segment on ACB Angels. Okay. Would, would Sandra Sermons and Lynn Heddle please come to the stage along with Kim Abair? And then uh, while they're coming up, I think uh, Alice, is, Alice, Alice Richards is very close. So she's going to come back up and speak to us for a few minutes about her angels, which are her wonderful and her husband's wonderful guide dogs. So we'll hold off one minute as Alice makes her way back. I think she, she took a seat down right below the stage and is coming back up. And again, Sandra and Lynn and Kim. Oh, Kim, Kim has made her way to the podium, so we'll have Kim Abair speak about a very a very wonderful person from her Louisiana affiliate, Frank Murdoch. Kim? Well, I just became a member of ACB only about six years ago. And one of the people that really inspired me to take leadership roles both in our region of Lafayette, Louisiana, as well as our state, Louisiana, and with ACB National, uh, was Frank Murdoch. We founded our local organization in 2012 with a few core members, I being one of them, and Frank being the uh, person who initiated getting a club going in our area. Um, he was blind at the age of 18 and was able to complete two degrees, one of them being vocational uh, counseling. And I met Frank um, in 2010 when I went to Affiliated Blind of Louisiana to do some blind training. He was a home and personal management instructor and I admired how he taught the other blind students, um, me being one of them, uh, how to be really safe when you're cooking. Uh, I have scars to prove that uh, you know I wasn't real safe when I first became uh, visually impaired, but learned a lot about life and about living through Frank. 
he married um, Laura Smarr, which was a friend of ours, and they resided in Lafayette for approximately three years as a married couple and moved to Ocala, Florida, Ocala, Florida um, to hopefully gain employment there. Um, on January 7th of this year, uh, he passed away at the age of 46 from complications of pneumonia. Um, he was somebody, you know how we talk about families, um, he was like an extended part of my personal family in that every time you ever went to his house, um, he always had something to share with you in regard to food. And we down in Louisiana love food, as you know. And um, that was the one thing that everybody that knew Frank, although he wasn't a very, uh, he wasn't privileged in uh, the monetary realm of life, he knew who God was, and he knew that he was the eyes and hands of the Lord to all of us. So if you get the opportunity, he has a, um, a real good write-up at the ACB wall. I recommend that you please go by the Angels Wall and uh, read more about him. Thank you very much. Next, we have Alice. Oh, good. Well, you know me. I'm high. <laughs> there we go. Um, I am so thankful for the Angel Wall because I've been a guide dog user since um, 1993. And I wanted a way to be able to kind of memorialize my babies and this was a great opportunity and so I'll start with my first one and I'm going to keep it short and not tell you at all because you can go out to my webpage but my first guide dog Casey was a golden retriever and stubborn in his ways and the story I'll share about him is he loved the gestures and he didn't care who gave them <laughs> And when we would go to the mall in Augusta, I'd get off the bus, and I knew I had to turn and go left and cross the street, but Casey was adamant, no, we're going to go right. I couldn't figure out why until I called the O&M instructor, and he followed me one day, and when I got off the bus and told Casey, go left, he wanted to go right, and the O&M instructor just busted out laughing. I said, it's not funny. He goes, oh, yes, it is. There's a big, tall gorilla there, and he's putting his point in his hand with the right-hand gesture to go right. <laughs> then <clears throat> he was also, I, I guess you could say him and Max, which was Michael's first dog, and that you, would, you could say they were the matchmakers because it was through getting our dogs, Casey and Max, that Michael and I met. And Max came into his own being because he taught Michael early on 
you trust your guide dog. Uh-huh. Max, even though he was a lab, hated water. And Michael was sure he knew where the, the park area was outside of his office at work. And there was a reflection pond there with a bridge that you needed to go over to get to the park area. And one day, Michael told Max, forward. Max refused to move. And after about twice, the next thing that happened was Michael said, well, I'll show you. I'll go first. Uh And went into the pond and proceeded to take poor Max in with him. (laughs) And Max let him know on no certain terms did he appreciate it because he hated water. (laughs) But the other thing Max um, was well known for, and and Michael's second dog, and my special baby, Rigger, and Rigger was actually named Rigamortis because he was raised in a funeral home. Oh, God. And when he first came to live with us, he would wake me up at night because he would be barking at thin air. And I told Michael, I said, I'm sure he must be seeing the spirits that are around the house. <laughs> but both dogs had an important role in Georgia and in, in law and in the ADA and in the fact that they were both told they were not allowed to be with Michael at his vending facility. One was because of an old Georgia law when he had Max that said even packaged food you could not have your service dog around. And it was Max's law that changed that so that the vendors in Georgia could have their guide dogs with them. Rigger followed in the footsteps because when Michael went to work for the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, which is a cafeteria, They said, oh, no, he cannot go into the kitchen area or out into the dining room area because he's a dog and he'll get hair and we just can't allow it, even though everybody else said it's okay. The Board of Health said it's okay. um, You know, we showed them the ADA. And it, it took, again, ACB and Homeland Security finally said, yes, you can have your dogs with you. So those were two important roles that they played. And the last little story I'll share is about my second guide, Dusty. And Dusty was with me the longest, and Dusty was a blonde, and Michael liked to point that out quite often and claim that Dusty was a dumb blonde, but I'm here to tell you Dusty was no dummy. Dusty went back to school with me to work on my master's. And if the professor got boring, Dusty would start snoring real loud. (laughs) If the professor went long overdue into the break, Dusty would let, when she would say, I just got one more point I'll make and I'll let you take your break. And Dusty went, (gasps) (gasps) the answer was, take your break, I can't compete with that. So we had a reputation whenever we'd start a new class, the professor says, oh, this is the dog that's going to let me know how well of a professor I am. (laughs) But probably the funniest thing was I loved to dance and Dusty loved to dance. And at my first GCB conference and convention, the president at the time was Jack Lewis. And Jack (laughs) invited me onto the dance floor to dance with him. And Marsha offered to hold Dusty. Little did Marsha know how strong Dusty was and how strong his will to dance. So while Jack and I were in the process of dancing, Dusty cut into the floor and proceeded to dance with me. And Jack said, I've been cut in by a lot of men before, but never can I say till now that I've been interrupted by a dog. (laughs) 
But those were my angels. They were my guides. And for a lot of you who don't know me, I'm not a good cane user. I've been accused of being a cane abuser. But the dogs were my guide and my joy because they gave me the independence and the, the confidence to travel that I would not have with a cane. And I miss them and love them. And I also felt that Marlena's puppies were feeling awful lonely on that wall. So now they've got company. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. And now we're going to hear from Sandra Sermons and Lynn Heddle on Janice Peterson Kent. So, Sandra? Okay. <laughs> um, you guys are short. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I, I hope that I am going to do Janice justice. Hope that she is smiling down on us. Um, she was an amazing person. She was the president of our affiliate, the DC affiliate, for many years. Um, always was the head of the social committee. Any, all of our holiday parties, any social event was chaired by Janice. Um, besides just being a good all-around person, she was a good blind person. She, she was a teacher. She taught whether you were willing to listen or not. Um, she would tell you, and eventually, she, she wasn't mean. She was, she was very, you know, sort of just um, polite. But she had no problem telling you and telling you and telling you. <laughs> Until eventually, if for no other reason than to shut her up, you said, okay, all right? Um, but eventually, um, you know, she started out as my mentor and, and we, uh, our friendship kind of blossomed and it started to take me less time to absorb what she said. You can't wear jeans everywhere you go. Just because you can't see people does not mean they cannot see you. Um, <laughs> you know, and then there, there, there were the musicals, the theater, her love for Braille. Um, and she was an asset and a joy to everybody that knew her and that she came in contact with. Um, our affiliate, the DC Council, is she definitely, um, she has left the void. I don't know that it will ever be filled. And so what we're trying to do with the Angel Memorial is to keep her memory alive and this way we will forever know um, just a small fraction of how much she contributed throughout her life. I think Lynn is next. Now I found it. <laughs> well, anyone who's ever heard Janice sing anything, and she could sing everything, 
would agree that she definitely deserves to be on this wall because she truly had the voice of an angel. Janice was one of the founders of Friends in Art way back in, I don't even remember the year, but there, there have been so many, 1980, thank you. <laughs> but from the beginning, she always insisted on high standards for all of us, including labeling of all the CDs we used to have to sell in the booth that we sold for fundraisers. And she wanted all those to be labeled, the labels to be affixed correctly, and there were, there were to, to be no braille errors in the labels that we made. <clears throat> and the week of every convention, she would start assembling her team, which consisted of me and Nancy Pendergraf. And she would call us on the phone and say, okay, we have 100 labels to make. I've got the labels. You bring your slate and stylus. None of this high-tech stuff. This was low-tech stuff. So the labeling party would begin <laughs> every year. And we always kind of looked forward to it. It was kind of a drag after, you know, writing 50 labels, your hands sort of hurt. But everybody had Braille on their CDs. So that was just the way she was. She always insisted or tried to get the best performance out of anyone she was helping to. I and mean, she could... She could coax the best performance out of the most timid performer up there. I remember one time someone showed up wanting to sing a Mozart aria, and she just played it. She could accompany anybody singing anything. It, you know, she was she always had just the right way to um, present and bring out the best in whoever she was accompanying, and. I want to thank, in concluding what I wanted to say, the D.C. chapter for going in with us to honor someone who truly deserves it and to thank this Angel Memorial Program in presenting a way for us to memorialize her. If you knew her, go and read the many tributes that are in that book contributed by FIA members and others alike whose life she touched. If you never knew her, get to know her by reading those tributes. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Dan Spoon for his assistance with the angel presentations and I want to recognize all of tonight's presenters for helping us remember some amazing people and getting to know them a little better. Thank you. All right, Mr. Secretary, are you ready? I am. All right, we will proceed to the roll call of affiliates. Thank Take it away, you, Madam Mr. President. Secretary. You know, um, I, you, uh, whoever is, comes after me as secretary, you've got to pack a lot of patience. This is a long evening to sit up here and wait, but it's going to be well worth it, and we're going to have a good time. Now, before we begin, 
just let everyone know, and we're going to do this as we always do. We're going to do it in alphabetical order. So Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, and California, start making your way to microphones. Remember, we all stand between this group and sleep. So <laughs> we want to move through it as quickly as we can, but we also want to get the business done. So um, the other thing I will let you know is that uh, because the three affiliates mentioned earlier, Connecticut, um, New Mexico and South Carolina will not be seated. They will not be called. As John indicated, the members in good standing of those affiliates are allowed to vote individually. And for any member, if you believe there is something incorrect about your membership status, you have till close of business Wednesday in registration uh, to take care of that. That's the day before elections. And with that, here we go. Alabama Council of the Blind, seven votes. The microphone's not on. I'm in Alabama. With the mic, now the microphone's on. There you go. On. There okay. You go. What you need? <laughs> Just say it. Come on now. Alabama, we've got a uh, delegate we is um, Michael Talley. Alternate is Rhonda Trott. Nominating committee is Michael Talley. And we need 12 chairs. Okay. And, and before we continue on, uh, let me repeat that first. So Alabama, you have Michael Talley as the delegate. Rhonda Trott is the alternate delegate. You, you, Michael Talley is going to nominating committee. That's a change. I had to put that in. And you say you need 12 chairs. That's correct? That's correct. Thank you very much. And, and I did not... And I did not reiterate what needs to be uh, done here, and I'm, I do apologize for that. Please give, me, give us the name of your delegate, your alternate delegate, who will represent your affiliate at the ACB nominating committee tomorrow evening at 545, uh, how many chairs you need, and how many spots for wheelchairs, and if you would like to make any contributions to ACB, you can do that at this time as well. Oh, okay, next. Arizona Council of the Blind, three votes. Arizona Council of the Blind. This is Jeff Bishop, president of the Arizona Council of the Blind. I am the delegate. The alternate is John McCann, and I will be attending nominating. And we need 12 chairs. Okay. Arizona, Jeff Bishop is delegate. Um, John McCann is alternate. Jeff Bishop's going to go to nominating committee. They need 12 chairs and probably some air conditioners, too. Ray? Arkansas Council of the Blind, three votes. Sandy. Go ahead. You're, you're Sandy on. Edwards, um, Arkansas Council of the Blind. I'm a delegate. Erica Evans, E-R-I-K-A, will be our alternate delegate. And Erica is also going to the nominating committee. We need six chairs. Okay. Let me... Let me make sure I got the chair number right. Okay, I gotta change that. There we go. Okay, for Arkansas, Sandy Edwards is delegate. Erica Evans is alternate. Erica Evans is also going to nominating. They need six chairs. Okay, California Council of the Blind, 25 votes. You all may be members of Dub Nation, but California is the home of the champion Golden State Warriors. <laughs> and I, Judy Wilkinson, am the delegate.
Frank Welty is the alternate. Frank Welty will be nominating. We need 90 warrior-friendly chairs and three wheelchair spaces. Okay, California Council of the Blind, home of the world champion Golden State Warriors. They have, they have Judy Wilkinson as delegate, Frank Welty as alternate delegate. Frank Welty is going to nominating committee. They need 90 chairs for basketball hoops and three spots for wheelchairs. Thank, Thank you very much. <laughs> ACB of Colorado, two votes. ACB of Colorado, two votes. For a third and final time this evening, ACB of Colorado, two votes. Okay, we will have to call them again tomorrow morning. Delaware Council of the Blind, one Mr. vote. Mr. Secretary, this is George Holliday. Delaware will need, I will be the uh, delegate, and I will be the alternate, and I will be the representative to the nominating committee, and we need no chairs. Hold on, okay, hold on here. Okay, George, Holl George Holliday is going to be very busy because he is uh, going to be the delegate, alternate, going to nominating committee, and they don't need any chairs. He's the only one here from Delaware. D.C. Council of the Blind, two votes. D.C. Council of the Blind, two votes. Come on, guys, this is in alphabetical order. Looking for microphones there, guys? One more time. D.C. Council of the Blind. Two okay, there they are. Okay, I hear them now. Okay, get on the mic there. Actually, you don't have to really. Go, there you go. Go ahead. I guess you have to be right on top of it. Okay. Uh, for the District of Columbia, this is Harlow Pease. I will be the delegate. Uh, Jeanette Girard will be my alternate. And Jeanette Girard will also be the nominating committee representative. Uh, we would like 10 uh, seats. Okay. Nice big executive chairs would be good. <laughs> okay. And then we would like one wheelchair slot. Okay. Thank you, Harlow. Uh, D.C. Council, they, Harlow Peace is the delegate. Jeanette Girard is the alternate. Jeanette Girard is going to go to nominating committee. They need 10 seats, one spot for a wheelchair, and that is not fake news. <laughs> Florida Council of the Blind, 25 votes. Hello, Mr. Secretary. Dan Spoon. Home of the College World Series champion, Florida Gators. <laughs> All right. And we are, I will be the delegate, Dan Spoon. The alternate delegate will be Katie Lear. And nominating will be Sally Benjamin. We would like 20 chairs, no wheelchairs. Uh, Dan, can you give me Katie's uh, last name, please? Lear, L-E-A-R. Okay, I thought you said gear. I'm sorry. And how many, how many chairs again? Twenty. Two zero. And no, any wheelchair spots or no? No. 
Okay. Okay. For Florida, Dan Spoon is the delegate. Katie Lear is the alternate. Sally Benjamin is going to go to nominating committee. They need 20 chairs and orange juice dispensers would be good. George, a council of the blind, seven votes. All right. Georgia. Mr. Please. Secretary, one more comment. Florida yes. would like to donate $1,000 to ACB, $500 for ACB radio, and $500 for the general fund. All right. You can make that comment. That's great. He only did that because I started singing. <laughs> Georgia. Okay, uh, the, uh, Georgia, the delegate is Marsha Farah. The alternate is Alice Richhart. Marsha Farah will go to the nominating committee, and we need four chairs and one place for a wheelchair. Okay, okay. Uh, Marsha Farrow is the delegate. Alice Richhart is going to go to be the alternate. Marsha Farrow is going to the nominating committee. They need four chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. And... Uh, our two life members are going to be putting put to work here. <clears throat> okay. Hawaii Association of the Blind. Three votes. Aloha. Good evening, Mr. Chair, or Secretary, that is. Uh, Hawaii needs 24 chairs and one walker. And I, Art Cabanilla, will be the delegate. Donald Thompson will be our alternate. And Art will be going to nominations. Hawaii also would like to donate to ACB $1,000 to the general fund, $1,000 to the Bill Forum, $500 apiece to ACB students and ACB radio. All right. Thank you, Art. Um, for Hawaii Association of the Blind, Art Capanella is the delegate. Donald Don Thompson is the alternate. Art Campanella is going to nominating. They need 24 seats. That is a great uh, um, turnout for this. Okay, with apologies in advance to the audiovisual people and to people's ears, I've been waiting a long time to do this. From the home of the 2016 World Champion Chicago Cubs, Illinois Council of the Blind, three votes. Mr. Secretary, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha, Albert. Illinois reports that our state president, Rachel Schroeder, regrets very much that she isn't able to be with us at the convention. Sends warm greetings to everybody. I'm uh, Albert Anderson. I am our delegate this year. Our alternate delegate is Larry Turn Turnbull. And our representative on nominating is Tom Jones. We're requesting 10 chairs and no wheelchair space. Thank you. Okay. From the home of the Cubs, uh, Illinois Council of the Blind, Albert Anderson's the delegate. Larry Turnbull's the alternate delegate. Tom Jones is going to the nominating committee. And they need 10 chairs. Thank you. Okay. ACB of Indiana, eight votes. Mr. Secretary. Mm -hmm. ACB of Indiana, the Crossroads of, Indi of America, um, our President Lynn Powers regrets she is not able to come and send her greetings. I, Edie Huffman, 
am the delegate. Don Coors is the alternate. I am the nominating committee delegate. And we need seven chairs and seven of these very comfortable chairs. They are very nice. And one space for a wheelchair. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get back to Mike here. Indiana, ACB of Indiana, Edie Huffman is the delegate. Don Coors is the alternate. Edie Huffman is going to be going to nominating committee. They need seven chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. Thank you. Okay. Iowa Council of the United Blind, four votes. Okay. No, is this on? Okay. You're um, on. Carrie Chapman as the delegate. Alternate would be Arlo Monte. Um, nominating will be Lori Trujillo. We need seven chairs and a wheelchair. Okay, Carrie, can you spell, uh, is it L-A-U-R-I-E or L-O-R-I? L-O-R-I. And then last name is T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. T-R-W-J-I-L-L-O? T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. No, -L -L yeah, okay. I, late, folks. And uh, the Naughty Sisters, yeah. Um, and how many seats? Again, I'm sorry. Um, seven. Okay. And a wheelchair. Seven and a wheelchair spot. Excellent. Okay. For Iowa, Carrie Chapman is the delegate. Arlo Monte is the alternate delegate. Lori Trujillo is the nominating committee person. And they need um, seven chairs and one wheelchair space. Thank you. Kansas Association of the Blind, four votes. Uh, this is Ann Byington. I will be the delegate. Michael Byington is the alternate. I will serve on the nominating committee. We need probably three chairs. And I would like to share the fact that yesterday um, in Kansas, the Kansas State School for the Blind celebrated our 150th anniversary. Thank you. For Kansas Association, Ann Byington is the delegate, Michael Byington is the alternate, Ann Byington is going to go to nominating, and they need three chairs, with uh, probably out in the wheat field somewhere. Bluegrass Council of the Blind, four votes. This is Patty Cox. Paula Weiss will be the delegate. She will also be the alternate delegate, and she will go to the nominating committee, and they need one chair. Okay, she's the only one here from Bluegrass, then. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Okay. Paula, for Bluegrass Council, Paula Weiss will be the delegate. She'll be the alternate. She'll be going to nominating. Boy, she's going to be awfully busy, and she needs, and after all that, she needs one chair. <laughs> we can at least do that. <laughs> Kentucky Council of the Blind, 12 votes. Kentucky Council of the Blind. Patty Cox will be the delegate. David Cox will be the alternate delegate. Patty Cox will go to the nominating committee. And we need one chair and one spot for a wheelchair. Big group. Um, how many chairs, Patty? I'm sorry. Just one. one chair and one spot for a wheelchair. Okay. Okay, they need make number in there. Okay, good. Patty Cox is going to be the delegate for Kentucky. David Cox is going to be the alternate. Patty Cox is going to go to nominating. They need one chair and one spot for a wheelchair. Louisiana Council of the Blind, four votes. 
for Louisiana, it'll be the delegate will be Pierre Curie. How do you spell his first name, Kim? Is it P-I-E-R-R-E, Curry, C-U-R-R-Y? Alternate delegate will be Teresa Curry, T-E-R-E-S-A. And Kim Hebert will go to the nominating committee. We need 10 chairs, one wheelchair. Okay, so we've got the numbers right. Okay. For, not, for Louisiana, Pierre Curry is the delegate. Teresa Curry is alternate. Kim Aber is going to go to nominating. They need 10 chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. ACB of Maine, two votes. ACB of Maine, delegate will be Mary Ellen Frost. Alternate will be Joel McQuaid. Nominating committee will be Mary Ellen Frost. Uh, Maine would like three chairs. Okay. Maine, Mary Ellen Frost is delegate. Joel McQuaid is alternate. Mary Ellen Frost is going to nominating, and they would like three chairs. And I'm very pleased to announce that uh, this is Joel McQuaid's first ACB conference, and we are very proud to have uh, Lindsay Ball as our first national scholarship winner. All right. We should be very proud of that. Uh, thank you. Okay. ACB of Maryland. Two votes. Um, I. It is working. It is working. Okay. Uh, I. Sorry. Okay. I, Cindy LeBonnet, will be delegate. Uh, Patsy Harlan will be alternate delegate, and Sue Bowes will go to nominating committee. And how many seats, Cindy? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm half asleep. Um, and we need. Six chairs and space for one wheelchair, making a total of seven. Okay, so I got that down. All right. Okay. For Maryland, Cindy Laban is delegate. Patsy Harlan is alternate. Susan Bowes will be going to nominating committee. They need seven chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. Bay State Council of the Blind, seven votes. Hello, my name is Brian Charlson, President of Bay State Council. I will be the delegate. The alternate delegate will be Frank Ventura. The member to the nominating committee will be Steve Dresser. And we need 12 chairs, no wheelchair slots. Thank you. Okay. For Bay State, Brian Charlson is delegate. Frank Ventura is alternate. Steve Dresser is going to go to nominating, and they need 12 chairs. Okay, Michigan Council of the Blind, five votes. Michigan Council of the Blind, uh, Casey Dutmer will be the delegate. Mary Sibley will be the alternate delegate. Uh, Casey Dutmer, I will be on the nominating committee. We need six chairs, no wheelchairs. Okay, Casey Dutmer is the delegate. Mary Sibley is alternate. Casey Dutmer is going to go to nominating committee. They need six chairs, probably with some nice Michigan apples uh, along with that. They'd probably appreciate that. ACB of Minnesota, three votes. Yeah, for sure. Mr. Secretary, Catalina Martinez from the American hey, Council friend. of the Blind of Minnesota sends her love and her greetings. The t uh, city of 10,000, the state of 10,000 lakes, and where our state bird is the mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, Catalina, will be our UMBA delegate. Marion Hasselrood is the alternate delegate. I will be serving on the nominating committee, and we need seven chairs, no wheelchairs, and we do need a doggy seat. <laughs> and oh. I'd like to announce that we gave $1,000 for the Jim Olson uh, Scholarship Fund. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Catalina Martinez is going to be the delegate. Uh, Marion Hesselrood is the alternate delegate. Catalina Martinez is going to go to nominating committee, and they need seven chairs. I don't know if we can do that doggy seat or not, but we'll try. Mississippi Council of the Blind, four votes. All right, this is Ralph Smitherman from Mississippi, and Ralph Smitherman will be the delegate, and Kenneth Reed will be the alternate delegate, and Kenneth Reed will serve on the nominating committee. We need 15 chairs. Uh, how many seats? How many seats, Ralph? I'm sorry. Fifteen. Okay. thought you said ten. I'm sorry. I was copying some stuff over. Okay. Just from Mississippi, record, Ralph, Smither Ralph Smitherman's delegate, Kenneth Reed's the alternate. Kenneth Reed's also going to the nominating committee. They need 15 chairs. Okay. Missouri Council of the Blind, 25 votes. I'm Denny Huff, president of the Missouri Council of the Blind. I'll be the delegate and Naomi Sewell will be the alternate Deanna Quietwater Noriega will be our nominating committee and we need 20 chairs and one wheelchair okay well I have to say this I hope the one wheelchair you need is not after I took Diana Deanna out in the walk this morning <laughs> I hope not Missouri Denny Huff is the delegate um, Naomi Sewell is altered it. Deanna Noriega, Quietwater Noriega, is going to the nominating committee. They need 20 chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. Right, that is Thank correct. You. And if I may, Mr. Secretary, yes. uh, our executive director, Chris Gray, is not able to be with us this year because of medical reasons. Uh -oh. But he is listening tonight, um, even though it's after midnight there in Missouri. And I would, if uh, you would, everyone just give a big shout out to Chris and... Uh, might include Marvelina on that. You might get her feelings hurt, but say hey <laughs> for Chris, Chris and Marvelina if you would, okay? Woo! Chris, Marvelina, we miss you guys too, and I uh, uh, wish you were here with us. And uh, it certainly is after midnight. I wonder if my friends back east in the Eastern Time Zone are still listening that said they were going to. Anyway, all right, Montana Blind and Low Vision Council, two votes. Uh, Mr. Secretary, this is Al. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Montana delegation is arriving tomorrow, uh, but uh, Becky Monroe will be the delegate. Her husband, Jinx Monroe, will be the alternate, and Becky Monroe will go to nominating, and they will need three chairs and no wheelchairs. What is her husband's first name, Alan? I'm sorry. Jinx. Jinx? Uh, J-I-N-K-S. Jinx. Jinx. J-I-N. Jinx. Jinx. J -I -N. Okay, Jinx. Jinx Monroe. Or... I guess this is his nickname. Uh, he goes by Jinx, but it's Joe. Really, it's Joe, but uh, he goes by his nickname, Jinx. Okay. Montana Blind and Low Vision Council. Becky Monroe will be the delegate. Jinx Monroe will be the alternate. Becky Monroe is going to go to the nominating committee, and they need three chairs. All right. 
ACB of Nebraska, one vote. Nebraska, home of the 2017 Midwest Leadership Conference and Young Professional Seminar. And we recognize the N stands for knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's late, guys, I know that. Anyway, uh, Nebraska will have as the delegate Jim Urock, alternate delegate Mark Bulger. I will also go to nominating committee. And we are going to downgrade the number of chairs from four to three and request a thermostat for the room. <laughs> I don't think we have to have a roll call on that request. <laughs> Nebraska, Jim Urock is a delegate. Mark Bulger is the alternate. Jim Urock is going to go to nominating committee, and they need three chairs. Nevada Council of the Blind, our host state this year, four votes. Maybe they're gambling. Nevada, Council of the Blind, four votes. Um, Nevada, or somebody out there from Nevada to get to uh, give us a report your uh, stuff? Okay, we'll call them in the morning. They might be on some convention. New Jersey, Council of the Blind, three votes. New Jersey, Council of the Blind, three votes. New Jersey Council of the Blind, three votes. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I wanted to hear that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, I did receive a phone call from their president. They indicated that no one from New Jersey would be present at this convention, uh, so I will not call them the rest of the week uh, based on that information. So, a, uh, ACB of New York, seven votes. Of New York. Kathy Casey will be delegate. Alternate will be Chris Kachow. Our nominating committee will be Chris Kachow, and we request 10 chairs. 10 chairs? That's correct. Okay. One zero. Okay. Had a, had a different number there. I want to make sure I had it right. For what, New York. What number did you have? I had 20. I don't know where I got that from, but maybe my, maybe my fat fingers. I don't know. Okay, for New York, Kathy Casey's delegate, Christopher Chow is alternate. Christopher will also be going to the nominating committee, and they need 10 chairs. Thank you. North Carolina Council of the Blind, six votes. Mr. Secretary, uh, North Carolina, home of the 2017 NCAA basketball champions, uh, whose, name will not pass, whose name will not pass through my lips because I went to Duke. <laughs> Uh, Alan okay. Casey is the delegate. Uh, we have no alternate. Alan Casey will go to the nominating committee, and we need three chairs. Okay. For North Carolina, Alan Casey is delegate. They do not report an alternate. Alan Casey is going to the nominating committee, and they need three, three chairs. Okay. North Dakota Association of the Blind, eight votes. Uh, we have a delegate, Helen Baumgartner. Alternate is Mary Stipp. Nominating committee, Helen Baumgartner. Number of chairs is 10, no wheelchairs. And we do have a check for the ACB Braille form in the amount of $500. Can you spell Helen's last name for me, please? B-A-U-M-G-A-R-T-N-E-R. And your alternate is Mary? Stipp, S-T-I-P. Okay, 
And uh, Helen's going to nominate. How many chairs did you need? I'm sorry. Ten. Ten. Okay. And thank you for that generous, generous donation. Okay. North Dakota, Helen Baumgartner is the delegate. Mary Stipp is the alternate. Helen Baumgartner will be going to the nominating committee, and they need ten chairs. Okay. ACB of Ohio, eight votes. Karen. Is it on? You go. Okay. Go, go ahead. Karen Spry, delegate. Katie Frederick, alternate. Katie Frederick, nominating. And we need 15 chairs. All right. ACB of Ohio. Okay. Karen Spry is delegate. Katie Frederick is alternate. Katie Frederick's going to the nominating committee, and they need 15 chairs. Oklahoma Council of the Blind, 21 votes. Francis Poindexter, uh, delegate. Jay Downer, an alternate. He'll also go to nominating. And we need 20 chairs and no wheelchairs. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it, if it takes me a second, sometimes even if I got the information, I got to switch it around. So <clears throat> Francis Poindexter is delegate. Jay Doudna is alternate. Jay Doudna will also go to nominating committee. And they need 20 chairs. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, 20 chairs, no wheelchairs. Thank you. ACB of Oregon, six votes. James Edwards, uh, ACB of Oregon. I'll be the delegate. Uh, Darian Slayton Fleming will be the alternate. Uh, I will attend the nominating committee meeting, and we'll need eight chairs with one wheelchair space. Who is your nominating, James? I'm sorry. Uh, myself. It's you. Okay. And and how many seats? Eight with one wheelchair. Okay. Eight and put a one. Okay. For Oregon, James Edwards is delegate. Um, Darian Slayton Fleming is the alternate. James Edwards is going to go to nominating committee, and they need eight chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. Thank you very much. Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, 12 votes. Tom Burgunder is the delegate. George Holliday is the alternate. Tom Burgunder will go to nominating committee. We request 15 chairs. Okay, 15. Let me get that number. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, before anybody stands up and raises the objection that I think some of you might be thinking, George Holliday is the only one here from Delaware. So because of that, he can serve in that uh, capacity. Um, he can still be an alternate for Pennsylvania. is because he is the only one here from Delaware, uh, then he can serve as their delegate. So wanted to make sure we cleared that up. For Pennsylvania... Tom Burgunder is their delegate. George Holliday is alternate delegate. Tom Burgunder goes to nominating committee. They need 15 chairs. Thank you. South Dakota Association of the Blind, three votes. South Dakota Association of the Blind. This is Steve, Steve Hart with the South Dakota Association of the Blind. All right. I'll be the the uh, delegate. My wife Shelly Hart will be the alternate, and Shelly Hart will also go to nominating. And we need three chairs. Okay. Okay. For South Dakota, Steve Hart is delegate. Shelly Hart is alternate delegate. Shelly Hart's also going to nominating committee, and they need three chairs. Thank you. 
Tennessee Council of the Blind, seven votes. And we need you mic'd up, Carol. <laughs> it might need to be uncaked from ice, but... Okay, we're going to get her mic'd up. Just hold on, folks. We've got, we got streaming, we got listening devices, and we got... Okay, okay, she's moving to another mic. All right. All okay. Right. Got it now. This is... This is, okay, this is Carol. There Fra you go. This is Carol Francisco. I will be the delegate. Jean Johnson will be the alternate delegate. I will be on the nominating committee. We need 10 Tennessee rocking chairs. And we are going to make a donation of $1,000. 200 goes to the Braille Forum. 400 goes to the DKN, and 400 goes to the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. For Tennessee, Carol Francisco is a delegate. Gene Johnson is alternate. Carol Francisco is going to nominating committee, and they would like 10, uh, I wanted to make sure I had my number, 10 Tennessee rocking chairs. ACB of Texas, 14 votes. Kenneth Simeon, Sr., Delegate, Peggy R. Garrett, Alternate Delegate. Kenneth Simeon, Sr. will go to nominating, and we need 28 chairs and two spaces for wheelchairs. Um, okay, Kenneth. It's, uh, Kenneth Simeon, Sr. is the delegate. Peggy Garrett is alternate. Kenneth Simeon is going to nominating committee. And did you say 28 chairs? Did I hear that right? Yes, 28 chairs. 28 and any, chairs and, any and wheelchair. two spaces for wheelchair. And two spots for wheelchair. Got it. Thank you. Use talk, Utah Council of the Blind, 25 votes. Mr. Secretary, Utah Council of the Blind, I, Anna Jeffrey, will be the delegate. Annalie Hathaway will be our alternate. Um, she will also go to the nominating committee. We would like the 20 warm chairs with two wheelchairs. Okay. Utah Council of the Blind. Anna Jeffrey is a delegate. Leona Hathaway is the alternate delegate. Leona Hathaway also goes to the nominating committee. They want 20 warm chairs. I think we'd all agree with that. And two spots for wheelchairs. Mr. Secretary, could you please repeat the alternate name? Annalee Hathaway. Annalee Hathaway. Annalee Hathaway. I had that written down. I just said it wrong. And I've also got that for nominating. Thank you. All right. Okay. It's getting late, folks. Vermont Council of the Blind. Two votes. Vermont Council of the Blind. Two votes. And for a third and final time, Vermont Council of the Blind. Two votes. I will give them, I will call them once more tomorrow morning. Okay. Okay. The, for the first time, I get to call this, and it's with great fanfare, ACB of Virginia. Two votes. Hello. Mar Marie Brinius, President, ACB of Virginia. I will be the delegate. Doug Powell will be the alternate. Rebecca Bridges is going to nominating. 
and we will need six chairs for the Virginia hams and one turkey and her, uh, and her walker. We need a spot for her. Okay. <laughs> for, the, for the ACB of Virginia, uh, Marie Barinas is the delegate. Doug Powell is alternate. Rebecca Bridges is going to the nominating committee. They need six chairs and one spot for a wheelchair. I will... <laughs> Washington Council of the Blind, 16 votes. Okay. Steve Fixstall will be the delegate. Mika White will be the alternate. Steve Fixtall will go to uh, nominating. We need 24 chairs and two wheelchairs. Okay. And, okay. Steve Fixtall is the delegate. Miko White is going to be the alternate. Steve Fixstall is going to go to nominating committee. They need 24 chairs and two spots for wheelchair. Mountain State Council of the Blind, two votes. Good evening. Mountain State Council of the Blind was proud to give $50 toward DKM, uh, first-timers right. fund. Thank you. And I, Donna Brown, will be the delegate. Ninetta Garner will be the alternate delegate. Ninetta Garner will also go to the nominating committee, and I'm not sure how many chairs were submitted, but we, we could use four because maybe some people will come and I've visit us. I've got four us. down for you that's right good. now. That's, that's good. Okay. For Mountain State, Donna Brown is the delegate. Ninetta Garner is the alternate. Ninetta Garner will also go to the nominating committee, and they need four chairs. Thank you. ACB of Wisconsin, one vote. ACB of Wisconsin. Um, Mickey Prayan is the um, president, and uh, what's the word I want? Come on. You're all, kind of off the mic there a little bit, Mickey. Oh, sorry. It's um, okay. I'm the uh, uh, delegate, and mm -hmm. Kathy Brockman is the alternate, alternate delegate. Delegate, it's late. I'm sorry. And, you know your uh, lips are frozen. Yeah, yeah, and we need 10 chairs, no wheelchairs. I'm sorry I blew it. <laughs> no problem, Mickey. You did just fine. ACB of Wisconsin, Mickey Prahan is the delegate. Kathy Brockman's the alternate. Kathy Brockman's also going to the nominating committee, and they need 10 chairs. Wyoming Council of the Blind, two votes. Graham Steele will be the delegate. Uh, Alan Peterson, alternate delegate. Graham Steele, nominating committee. And three chairs and one wheelchair. Graham, how do you spell your last name, my friend? S-T-E-E-L. Okay. And um, um, hold on. I uh, got to make a... <laughs> I'm just correcting some... Okay, I'm just correcting some errors here. Um. Okay, let me. Uh, we're getting there. My uh, finger got on the.
Okay, for um, Wyoming, it's um, Graham Steele is the delegate, a first-timer, a DKMer. Uh, how about that? Um, Ellen Peterson is the alternate. Um, Graham, who's going to nominating? I'm sorry. Myself. Myself. Graham Steele is going to, or she's going to nominating, and they need, did you say, how many chairs? Three chairs. Three chairs and one, one spot for a wheelchair? Yes, sir. Okay. Got it. Thank you very much. Okay. Now we move to the special interest affiliates. Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. One vote. Yes, Mr. Sec. Uh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, John Huffman will be the uh, delegate for AAVL. Orella Miller will be the alternate. John Huffman will attend the nominating committee. And as is customary, our members will sit with their uh, state delegations. Okay, AAVL, John Huffman is delegate. Oral Miller is alternate. John Huffman is going to nominating, and they do not need any chairs as they'll sit with their states. American Association of Blind Teachers, two votes. Uh, Susan Glass will be our delegate, and Steve Dresser will be the... Um, we'll go to the nominating committee. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve Dresser will be the alternate, and I will go to the nominating committee, Kate Crohan, and we sit with our affiliates. Okay, for AABT, uh, Susan Glass is delegate, Steve Dresser is alternate, um, Katie, Kate Crohan will be going to nominating, and they'll sit with their states. Let me. Okay. American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys. Hope this will not cost us a consultation. They have two votes. Unless they're filing a grievance somewhere. There they are. I think they're coming. There we go. Attor lawyers. AAVIA, American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys. Two votes. The meter is running. <laughs> Somebody said they're in contempt. Are you guys out there? I guess not. We're moving on. ACB Diabetics in Action. Three votes. Okay, Mr. Secretary. Uh, I, Dan Dillon, will be the delegate. Donna Seliger will be the alternate delegate. Donna Seliger will go to nominating committee. We don't need any chairs, but we'll take some blankets. <laughs> uh, ACB Diabetics in Action. Dan Dillon is delegate. Donna Seliger is alternate. Donna Seliger is going to go to the nominating committee. And they don't need any chairs. Mr. Secretary, the attorneys are ready to make their announcement now. Ah. Okay. Give me your, uh, we'll, we'll move back to you then. American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys, two votes. Chris Prentice will be the delegate. Tom Burgander will be the alternate delegate. And Chris Prentice is going to the nominating committee. And we will sit with our affiliates. Um, we have an issue there, Chris. Uh, Tom is already delegate for Pennsylvania, so he cannot be alternate for the attorneys. We'll get back to you on that. Okay. Okay, so we will hear from you guys tomorrow morning. Thank you. Okay. Okay, ACB families, two votes. 
Um, it, they're in the uh, aisles. Um, okay, let's. Uh, young lady's looking for a mic there. Uh, your your way. Uh, you got to go back. Go back towards uh, Nancy's voice there. I think she's getting to the mic, folks. ACB families, this is Leslie Tom. Um, Jeff Tom will be our delegate. Um, no alternate. I will be um, in the nominating committee. And we don't need any chair. Okay. For families, um, Jeff Tom is delegate. They do not report an alternate. Leslie Tom is the going to the nominating committee and they're going to sit with their state so they don't need any chairs. ACB government employees, one vote. Uh, okay, yes, thank you. Um, uh, Renee Zellickson, president, I will be delegate. Jill Noble will be um, alternate delegate. Sandra Sermons is going to nominating committee and we'll take uh, four chairs for 508 compliant chairs okay Renee how, how many seats how many chairs Renee I'm sorry uh, four, four chairs four okay okay for ACB government employees Renee Zellickson is a delegate Jill Noble is alternate Sandra Sermons is going to the nominating committee and they need four chairs thank you roar ACB Lions two votes Mitch Pomerantz will be the delegate. Ray Campbell will be the alternate delegate. And Margaret Johnson will be uh, our representative to the nominating committee. And I've done too much roaring today, obviously. Um, Mitch, I, I, I've got Grady Ebert down as the alternate. Uh, well, then I didn't get that information until uh, you've got more recent information. Okay. Uh, so Grady then will be our nominating committee rep. Okay. Okay. I did not hear from uh, from uh, our president uh, this afternoon. So. Okay. Very good. Thank for, you. Oh, no problem. Uh, for Lions, Mitch Pomerantz is delegate. Um, Grady Ebert is alternate delegate. Uh, Margaret Johnson's going to nominating, and they do not need any chairs. Is that correct? Okay. Got it. ACB Radio Amateurs, one vote. Okay. Uh, radio amateurs. Breaker, breaker. Break break. <laughs> yeah, break. <laughs> That's a different guy. That's a whole different kind of radio there. Don't ham it up, guys. ACB Radio Amateurs, we're moving on. ACB Students, two votes. ACB Students, two votes. ACB Students, 
They are on their way? Okay. Guys, you need to move a little faster with this. Hi, this is Minha. I'm going to be the delegate. Abby Edwards is going to be alternate. Sarah Wiles is going to nominating. And we need 15 chairs, no wheelchairs. Uh, how many seats, men? Fifteen? All right. Way to go, guys. For ACB students, um, Min Ha is delegate. Abby Edwards is the alternate. Sarah Wiles is going to the nominating committee. And they need 15 seats. Okay. Blind Information Technology Specialist. Four votes. Blind Information Technology Specialist has John McCann as the delegate, Richard Villa as the alternate delegate, and Andrea Piklotz is going to nominate um, We haven't, yeah, we have an issue there because John is already an alternate. Sorry about that. Old habits die hard. And it'll be uh, Richard Villa is going to be the uh, delegate. Okay. And Marty Kuhn, K-U-H-N, Marty Kuhn is going to be the uh, alternate. And my God, who's going to nominate? Andrea. 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 That's right. Good. Great. Thanks. And uh, okay, for bits, uh, Rich Villa is the delegate. Martin Kuhn is the alternate. Andrea... Uh, Pittsburgher is the delegate, uh, the nominating. I'm sorry. And they need six chairs. Right. And blind L blind oh. LGBT Pride International, five votes. Mr. Oh. Secretary. Yes. I'm going to make a correction on Andrea Pittsburgher's last name is being changed apparently to Declotz. Uh, yes. Um, this is Will Burley, president of Blind LG. Okay, hold, hold on just a minute, Will. Let me get this correction in. The correction on the BITS nominating rep, it's Andrea DeClotz. That's correct. Got it. Thank you. And uh, for Blind Pride, go ahead. Uh, Guillermo Robles will be the delegate. You got to get up on the mic a little bit more there. How's that? There you go. Guillermo Robles will be the delegate. I will be the alternate. And Don Brown will be nominated. And we need five chairs, no wheelchairs. Okay. Guillermo Robles is the delegate. Who is your alternate? Will Burley. Will Burley. And Don Brown is nominating? Yes. And how many seats? Okay, thank you. For Blind Pride, uh, Guillermo Robles is the delegate. Will Burley is alternate. Don Brown's going to nominating, and they need five chairs. Braille Revival League, eight votes. 
Paul Edwards, president of the Braille Revival League. Our delegate will be Denise Colley. Our alternate will be Olivia Chavez. So that's O-L-I-V-I-A-C-H-A-V-E-Z. And uh, going to the nominating committee is Judy Jackson, and we will sit with our affiliates. Okay. Braille Revival League. Braille Revival League and their eight votes. They didn't even submit this in eight dot Braille. <laughs> Denise Colley is their delegate. Olivia Chavez is their alternate delegate. Judy Jackson's going to the nominating committee, and they do not need any seats. Thank you. CCL, Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, 11 votes. Mr. Secretary? Yes. I am uh, Leslie Spoon, the delegate. Richard Ruda, the alternate delegate. Angela Lanier is going to nominating, and we need 15 chairs. And maybe some jumping jacks. <laughs> that might help. Yeah. CCLVI, Leslie Spoon is delegate. Um, Rich, Richard Retta is the alternate. Angela Lanier is going to nominating committee, and they need 15 chairs. Friends in Art of ACB, two votes. Friends in Art of ACB. June Link will be the delegate. Jack Link will be the alternate. Mm -hmm. Michael Byington will go to nominating. We need no chairs, and that's L-E-N-K, I think. Uh, L-E-N-K, yep, got it. Um, for Friends in Art, June Link is delegate. Jack Link is alternate. Michael Byington's going to nominating, and, and they do not need any chairs. Guide Dog Users Incorporated, 19 votes. Hey, Ray, Guide Dog Users Incorporated, Penny Reader will be the delegate. Uh, Vicki Curley will be the alternate. Right up on it. A little more mic there, Penny. Can you hear me now? There you go. Sorry, Penny Reader for delegate, Vicki Curley for alternate, and Brianna Murray's going to nominating. Most of us are going to sit with our um, state affiliates, but we want four chairs just in case. Okay, and you shall have them. Thank Guide you. Dog Users, Inc., Penny Reader is delegate. Vicki Curley is alternate delegate. Brianna Murray is going to nominating, and they need four chairs. We're almost there, guys. A few more to go. Independent visually impaired entrepreneurs, two votes. Independent visually impaired entrepreneurs, Artist Basin president. Our delegate is Carla Hayes. Uh, we don't have an alternate right now. Um, our nominating committee delegate is Artis Basin. And any chairs, artists, or no? No. Okay. For Ivy, Independent Visually Impaired Entrepreneurs, Carla Hayes is delegate. They're not reporting an alternate. Uh, Artis Basin is going to go to nominating committee, and they don't need any chairs. <clears throat> Library Users of America. Library Users of America. Four votes. You need some sleep there, Mr. I Secretary. <laughs> All right. Library Users of America, Paul Edwards, delegate. We're not reporting an alternate delegate at this time. And Peggy Garrett, representative to the nominating committee. No chairs required. Thank you very much. Okay. For Lua, Paul Edwards is the delegate. They are not reporting an, an alternate at this time. Peggy Garrett is going to go to the nominating committee. They don't need any chairs, but I'm sure they'd like some nice books to read. 
No, there is not. Nope, there's not an issue because Peggy is an alternate somewhere else, and so uh, she can still go to nominating. Good, good, good question. Two more to go. Randolph Shepard, Vendors of America, 22 votes. Randolph Shepard, Vendors of America, a delegate, Dan Sipple. Alternate delegate, Artis Bazin. Nominating committee, Dan Sipple. Why don't you give us five cheers? And how many seats, Artis? I'm sorry. Just five. Five. Okay, let me write that in. <clears throat> Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, Dan Sipple is the delegate. Artis Bazin's alternate delegate. Dan Sipple's going to the nominating committee, and they need five chairs. And the last but certainly not least, and this does my heart a lot of good because I have a lot of respect and a special place in my heart for veterans. Visually impaired veterans of America, two votes. They're back this year. Delegate David Dallin, alternate Ernie Udo, and I will go to the nominating committee in six chairs, please. David, you got to get up on the mic. You want to repeat that? Get up on the mic a little bit more, bud. Okay. David Dallin, delegate. Yep. Ernie Udo, alternate, and I will attend the nominating committee. You want to spell Ernie's last name for me, please? U-D-O. Oh, you do. Okay. I, and then. And six chairs. Put that there. And, and okay, for visually impaired veterans of America, David Dowlin, delegate. Ernie Udo, alternate delegate. David Dowlin's going to nominating committee. They need six chairs decorated with American flags. Ladies and gentlemen, Madam, Madam President, that completes roll call. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you to all of you who have stayed for the, the duration. And we will reconvene tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. Thank you and good night to ACB Radio. For those of you who are still with us and listening, good night.